I want to welcome you to the Retro Rogues Live podcast. This is a segment from last week's live video show. The live show is available every Wednesday at 7 p.m. on Twitch, YouTube, and Twitter. Simply search for BaseGod14. That's B-A-S-S-G-O-D-1-4 on either YouTube, Twitch, or Twitter. And now, on with the show. I want to welcome you to the Retro Rogues Live. Please pay attention to our warning graphic. It states that the Retro Rogues Live show is intended for an adult audience and not intended for children under the age of 13. Parental discretion is advised. Again, I want to welcome you here to the show. My name is Dave Beatty. I'm one of your hosts. For nearly the last 30 years, I've been a professional illustrator and graphic designer, and I've worked for a lot of the major uh, companies, mostly in the comic book sphere as a professional illustrator, working on titles such as Batman Incorporated, Justice League of America, and even things you may not have heard of, like Grifter. But enough about that. I want to welcome back my co-host. This is Mr. Eric Alexander. Please tell the folks, hopefully watching or listening at home, a little bit more about your professional background. Hello, everybody. Yes, I'm Eric Alexander, also known as Bass God 14. That's Bass God 14, not Bass God. That's Bass God, like a bass guitar. And in addition to being the co-host on, on the Retro Rogues Live, I am the chief financial officer of a small uh, film production company in Arizona called Bad Bob Productions. And I'm also the executive producer of a film called uh, Staycation, which is currently on its on-demand phase uh, on Indiegogo and actually going to be filming next again next month. So on tonight's show, we're going to be talking about the latest episode of Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Uh, I noticed Eric just sent me something about a Monsters remake news. We're going to be talking about Chipotle's first quarter. No, we're not going to be talking about their first quarter earnings. Um, but anyhow, <laughs> can we talk about the pop culture news? We're going to talk about the, have another segment of the Collector's Corner. And, you know, hopefully a little bit of Streaming Wars in there as well. So we hope that you will stay around and participate by be, being a part of the Rogues Gallery and commenting during tonight's show. We want to hear your thoughts, and opinions. All right, so we'll just go ahead and get into our main topic. We're going to be talking about Falcon and the Winter Soldier. This is the latest episode. Of course, it's on Disney+. Plus. The name of this episode is Truth. All right, so uh, what we always do here at the beginning, at the top of the show, we like to do is we like to talk about our um, initial impressions of the episode, basically trying to say spoiler-free. Again, spoiler-free our goal is going to be not to hopefully reveal anything. If you haven't seen it, hope you can still enjoy it. But just tell you our initial impressions of what we thought of this particular episode. Eric, why don't you go first and tell us what you thought of this episode of Falcon and the Winter Soldier Truth. Well, I thought the name was kind of interesting. <laughs> because I'm not sure how much truth was in this. Um, I got to say, it, you know, right off the top, I was a little surprised. There's two issues going on for me. There's the story, and then there's, uh, I guess, sort of the political undertones of this particular episode. I've talked about this before. I don't like to mix the two very much. You know, I like I like escapism. You know, I, li I like to, like, not be thinking about everything else that's going on in the world when I'm watching a show like this. But they, they keep bringing me back to it. And uh, I'll tell you, I, I don't appreciate that. And that's why I think it's ironic that this is called truth, because I don't think it's truth. I think a lot of it is propaganda and it's truth from a certain perspective. But that doesn't mean it's actual truth. Um, but as far as the story was going, I was very surprised how this episode started out. Um, I felt like uh, we definitely, you know, there's definitely like the danger Will Robinson thing going on in my head. We've talked about the trope train. Uh, are we going to trope town? And I think we are. 
Um, and I was really disappointed in that. I'm very disappointed in that. Um, obviously, we do still have one more episode to go. Uh, but I, I was uh, a little bit put off by that. Um, you know, you never know. The last episode, they could, they could, they could sort of redeem themselves. But the, where I see things going, well, where I, where we are, I feel after this episode is definitely in Trope Town, and it starts right at the beginning. It starts right at the beginning. Um, I do want to acknowledge the Rogues Gallery. We do have a couple comments already. Uh, Jackie's in, in the house and saying she's a dropping hello. Says hope you're all safe and doing well. It's been a while since I've checked in. It has been, and we're glad to see you here, Jackie. We really appreciate you checking out the show. Um, and if you've seen the episode and have any comments, we'd love to hear them. If you haven't seen the episode, you can tell us why. Why haven't you watched it? Maybe you've been too busy. Maybe you're just not interested in it. Uh, we definitely want that kind of feedback from our audience about uh, what they think about this and whether they're watching. Because we have got that a couple times, Dave, where people have told us, you know, I'm not watching this. So it does beg the question sometimes of, of, uh, of are we hitting what our audience actually is into? So, and Hollywood Jackson is also in the house and he says, hi guys, hi everyone. Hi, Hollywood Jackson, great to see you. Uh, again, if you have any comments or if, you, if you've been watching the show, and again, if you haven't been watching the show, I'd love to know why, so. All right, so, um, hi Jackie, hi Hollywood. Um, let me just go ahead and, uh, you know, every, every time I say Hollywood Jackson's name, every time I say Hollywood, I wanna say Wolfman right after because I immediately think of Top Gun. All right, so um, let's um, let me just say uh, that as it currently sits, we are on the trope train, the the trope, the trope train headed to town. <laughs> Took a like extra out. I wanted to say that we are on I the like trope it. train headed to town. That that's where we're going. Um, I am not happy about that. Uh, not at all. I feel like that. Um, while you know, and we'll get into the spoilers here in just a little bit. Um, and um, but I do agree with Eric, I think we're headed to Trope Town, uh, Trope, Trope Town. Um, so <laughs> say that five times as fast, eh? Trope, Trope Town, Trope Town, Trope Town. <laughs> All right, so we're headed to Trope Town. Um, and I um, not definitely not happy about it. I've how many times can I say that? Um, because I say, so, so here's my deal. The episode before, I feel like, was the high point for the show so far. Definitely the high point. I did not hate this episode. I am not hating this show by any stretch of the imagination. Um, there's a lot of interesting things that are happening here. Um, but I'm definitely... I, I feel like that they definitely took a, a drastic turn on two characters in this episode. Um, and I can't really get too much further into it until we actually get into spoilers. Um, and, um, so overall I was like, ah, I liked it. I can't get further into it till we get into spoilers. Um, so I guess that's the thing. I, I really feel like this next episode is going to really be telling, you know what I mean? For how I'm going to feel about this series overall, where, where this last episode goes is, is going to really say a lot to me. Um, and, um, it doesn't mean I'm going to walk away from the MCU by any stretch of the imagination. It's not that at all. Um, but, uh, again, I can't get too much more into it until we get into spoilers. Um, but, uh, yeah, like I said, we're, we're definitely on the trope, the trope train for, for sure. All aboard, yeah. I guess. I do want to mention a benefit that you gave me, uh, and we can also give to, to anybody that has not seen the episode. Uh, there is an actual after the, after credit scene. Um, I don't like 
how the Marvel, the MCU shows are doing that, how sometimes they have one and sometimes they don't, uh, because the credits are really long on these things. Uh, they're like almost like 10 minutes, you know, they're, they're, they're well over like the five minute mark. Um, and so you get used to the fact that there is no after credit scene. So you just turn it off. Right. Or you, well, that's what I do. You know, once it starts playing the credits, I just turn it off. Um, and I wouldn't know if there was an, there were an after credit scene unless somebody told me, which in this case was Dave. Dave gave me a heads up that there was an after credit scene. So keep watching. Um, but I want to put that out there because I'm a little frustrated by that because it did the same thing in WandaVision. It's like the last two episodes have an after credit scene. And of course, that's even a longer series. You know, so you're, you're, you're eight episodes in kind of used to the way things are. And then all of a sudden now we have after credit scenes, you know, um, it, it, it's, it's a weird thing. And I, I don't like it. I, I've always enjoyed after credit scenes in the MCU. In fact, a lot of times I'll, 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 I'll think the movie itself wasn't very good because there are MCU movies I didn't like that much that are, you know, just not my favorites. And then they'll have a nice after credit scene that gets me interested in the next movie. And then the next movie actually turns out to be really good. Uh, that's happened to me several times. So um, I do I do enjoy that stuff. I just wish they were a little bit more consistent about it because, you know, it just kind of comes out of nowhere. And in the, in this particular one, I felt that that after credit scene was fairly relevant. I, I feel like it's going to be absolutely relevant for the next episode. Uh, it's not necessarily something you have to see, right? Because I think you kind of know where things are going anyway. Um, but I just wanted to throw that out that, that there is an after credit scene. Yeah, it's, um, it is weird and haphazard how they've been handling the after credit scene in, in the Disney plus shows, at least as far as Marvel's concerned, because, um, I, the only reason I even know there was after credit scene is basically because, uh, my wife, Mike and I were talking about the episode and I was complaining about some things I didn't like, and then talking about some things I did like. And we were just kind of bantering back and forth amongst each other. And then lo and behold, here the after credit scene starts playing. And that's when I texted you, Eric. I was like, oh, there's an after credit scene. Who knew? Yeah. Surprise. You know, exactly. Like, and that's the thing. It's like, I wish they would either have every episode have an after credit scene or just don't do it in the Disney Plus shows at all because you don't know when you should really have to be kind of paying attention to it. And then there's some things where it's like, I don't feel like, like with WandaVision, one of the first after credits was well, second. Maybe it was the second or third after. I forget. One of the after credit scenes they gave us didn't really play out. Like it didn't even really resolve <laughs> in any meaningful manner. And I was just right. like, all right, well, that was weird. Yep, that's very so. very true. I told, and I think I know exactly which one you're talking about. And uh, there is a whole story to that. There is a whole story to that. I think I've actually heard uh, the director and some of the creative team talking about that. Things that were supposed to happen in Wandavision and didn't. And, and it's kind of funny because even that stuff that was supposed to happen still has nothing to do with all the rumors and the hype and all that kind of stuff. It wasn't anything that people were predicting or saying was going to happen, claimed insider knowledge. Nope, none of that stuff. It was something completely different that they were going to do, and they just didn't do it uh, because they had, I think, issues because of the pandemic and things like that, reshoot problems, getting people back, uh, you know, all that yeah. kind of stuff. So they, they had some issues, and um, it's very it's very jarring, actually, because you can kind of tell – there's like a big hole at the end of WandaVision. You can just you can right. just feel it, you know, and they've admitted to that. There was a whole sequence that was supposed to happen that didn't. It'll be interesting to see if ultimately Falcon and the Winter Soldier have that kind of issue as well. If we do kind of see something where it's like, oh, they totally were going to do something here and then nothing happened. Uh, I guess we won't know for sure until the last episode if that's going to be the case. 
so far, I feel like they're pretty much doing what they wanted to do. Uh, you know, good, bad, and different. Uh, I think that they kind of have their agenda here, uh, and they definitely are promoting it. I did want to mention uh, that it was interesting because I talked about this in my in our last review. Um, this show had been on a on a good scale for me personally, and also apparently with the audiences you know out there in in the in the internet world because I've been checking the IMDb ratings right, and I mentioned the IMDb ratings up until episode four that was the the one the one we reviewed last week we actually did three and four at the same time uh, last week for anybody interested in our review of that of those episodes we did them together um, and what's interesting is the IMDB ratings have been going up every single episode from episode one two three four they've always been going up this is the first time they dipped I just want to throw that out there because it might be possible that you know it's because it's a, a newer episode but hey I was talking about this last week and that didn't affect uh, the previous episode episode four was the highest rated episode it is the highest rated episode to the as of us talking right now on IMDB so this one took a dip now it is the second highest rating so full disclosure there it is the second highest rated episode but still this is the first time the series took a dip and this is a very short series this is a mini series We've only yeah. got one, one episode left. So I just want to throw that out there because I definitely felt that personally. And apparently I am not alone because there was a dip uh, in the ratings on IMDb for this particular episode. So I'm, I, I, I am not the only one thinking that we're, we're, we're having problems. Danger, Will Robinson, danger, Will Robinson. As you mentioned, we are definitely on our way to Trope Town. And, you know, I the thing is, th this episode has a lot of open doors for a lot of interesting things to happen in the next episode. Um, but um, the lesson I learned from WandaVision and then also the lesson I learned from this show in relation to the cameo that they were discussing, and that's been everywhere. That's not spoiler. There was a cameo the last episode. Um, and I told everyone, put your expectations for that cameo in the basement because because then, then maybe you won't be disappointed. I hope you listened to me. Um, and then along those same lines, um, uh, my speculation for the last episode and all the crazy fun things that are going to be happen, happening uh, are also going to be in the basement. So those of you still listening to all this nonsense circling around in, on the internet about all these crazy cameos in this world building that everybody wants to have happening <laughs> that actually isn't happening... If you're continuing to stay listening to all that, y'all go right ahead. But I'm going to tell you right now, my expectations for the last episode, I'm going to give you my prediction. My prediction is one simple thing I want to see happen. And uh, uh, my speculation for what's going on moving forward is, is, is very, very subdued. I'm not expecting much, everybody. Um, and like I said, I like the show just fine. But I just, I feel like that if, if we... There, you know, the hype going into this episode and the hype going into the next episode among the speculation of things that's going to happen. Um, I mean, it's insane. It's absolutely insane. And, and I can tell you right now, from WandaVision and the cameo of this last episode, you all should not be expecting Mephisto to suddenly show up. You know what I mean? I, <laughs> but hey, you know, whatever. I mean, I guess it could happen, but I'm telling you right now, it ain't gonna. No, I, I think you, you, you bring up a, a really great point, and, and that's that we have 
for those of us that have watched WandaVision, uh, we kind of know what the playbook is for these shows now. Um, and it's not very encouraging. Uh, it really is. And in terms of if you're into world building, you're into lore, you're into all that kind of stuff, and, and you want to see the characters interact. You, In other words, you want to know what Wanda's doing while this is happening or something like that because you loved WandaVision or you want to know what's ha- going on with Vision right now. That ain't a fucking happening, right? That just ain't happening. Um, and then, you know, as far as I know, some of the speculation out there is insane. Uh, it's like, have you even been watching this show? Because they're not building up to that at all. There was at least some interesting things in WandaVision, especially because of the nature of the show, that you could definitely see the possibility of some much bigger things happening. They just didn't go there, right? They just didn't go there. But the, but the, at least the kernels were there. There are no kernels in this. There, there, there's no little breadcrumbs to lead you to the idea that some, you know, that the uh, that we're suddenly going to see the Fantastic Four or something ridiculous. Not saying that's even a real rumor. I'm just going straight out there, bong, you know, bonkers like I think most of these other people are anyway. Um, there's no kernels of that. There's no breadcrumbs leading to that in this show. It's pretty straightforward. It's pretty self-contained. You know, it. it Get into the spoiler talk. I, I think it's pretty obvious, you know, what this show is and, and where we're going. Uh, it's it's very obvious, I think, in this episode. Um, but uh, it, it is it is funny how much larger channels, much larger, you know, audi- you know, people with much larger audiences than ours, will just speculate the hell out of this stuff, and somehow people believe them. Somehow they 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 get some sort of traction with that. It's just, it just amazes me. You know, and I and and that's kind of the thing because I've actually stopped watching and listening to certain people because I've come to realize that I can't trust anything they say. <laughs> there you go. That's what I it comes down to. I can't to, trust right? anything they say. You know, and and I'm not. And again, I'm not. We're not going to be throwing out names, and I'm not trying to bash anyone. I'm just saying everyone should keep your expectations really low because if you keep your expectations really low, I think you'll enjoy the finale and you'll have fun with the series. But some of the rumors circulating about what's going to happen in this last episode, we get into spoiler talk. I'm going to tell you right now, um, I'd be willing to bet money. Ain't no way in the world that's going to happen. It ain't going to happen. Not, not, a, not where the, not, I can tell you what you can expect to have, have happen for sure. I can tell you these few things will definitely happen. But all this other stuff that I've been hearing about, there's just, there's no way. There is absolutely no way. Um, because we haven't put the time into really properly setting it up. It would literally be coming out of left field now. And and there is another point to be made. It's totally legitimate for fans to say, well, I wish this happened. I wish they had used this character. It wouldn't have been cool if they had done this, right? I think that's completely legitimate um, because there are lots of missed opportunities in WandaVision and in this show where I think they could have introduced other characters much like what the the sort of hype train out there is saying is going to happen or they've got rumors this is going to happen a lot of that stuff yes that would be really cool right and in that context that's all fair game that's completely fair game to say hey i would this would have been really cool i wish they had done this but when you try to pretend like it's it's some sort of you know insider knowledge and all that kind of stuff and some some hot rumor or something that's where i have the problem I heard we're going to finally find out who the engineer was in WandaVision in the next episode. <laughs> well, I'm obviously go. making that up. There you go. <laughs> there you go. I got it from a good source. 
a good source. Um, all right, so let's go ahead and get into spoiler talk here. Um, I, I'll be honest with you, I don't feel like there's a whole lot to talk about with this episode. Um, and, and, and it's just because they kind of talked this episode to death. So um, I'm going to go ahead and read the summary now that we're in spoiler, spoiler town here. So it's John Walker faces consequences for his actions. Sam and Bucky return to the United States. All right, so now we're in the spoiler part of the, the show. This means anything is free game. So we're going to be talking about spoilers. So if you want to watch the show, you have not seen the show, you do not want anything spoiled or ruined for you, now would be the time to go away and come back later. And uh, then you can uh, hopefully enjoy our hopefully lively discussion. All right. So well, you can also be like Hollywood Jackson, who says, I don't watch the show. I like my stories read to me by the rogues. We appreciate that, Hollywood. <laughs> I really do. And by the way, you know, it's kind of funny you say that because there are very successful channels that that's like the basis of their show. Like, I don't think this is saying anything bad. I'm going to name names in this case. I've met Gary. I don't, he's not a personal friend or anything like that. I have met Gary Nerdrotic in person, actually had a conversation with him and everything. Very pleasant man. And it's kind of interesting because when you think about it, a lot of what his, a lot of what his show is based on is him reviewing shows that his audience hates and will never watch and him just giving his take on it. He's built an entire audience on that, a much larger audience than we have. So it's totally legit. So absolutely. If, if you're not interested in watching this or you're just not, maybe you don't have Disney plus, you know what I mean? Hey, let us tell you about it. <laughs> well, it might have and, more fun this way than watching it. And we are going to be talking about a great Avengers story later this evening in the collector's corner. So just stay tuned. I am going to be talking about one of my favorite Avengers stories um, that I'm going to highly recommend that people check out. Um, and we're going to be talking about that in the collector's corner segment. That's a so neat cover, by the way. That's, 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 that's a great cover. Yeah, it's a that's great a, cover. A, Look, I check like out this cover. back cover. And that's a, that's a hardbound edition, huh? Yeah. Yeah. That, that looks pretty cool. I like that. I like the artwork. This thing is, this thing is friggin' awesome. And I want to show those of you who liked WandaVision. You see who that is? You see who that is right there? There she is. There's Monica Rambeau. It's Captain Marvel right there behind Thor. All right. Um, but yeah, well, well we're, we're going to be talking about a really great adventure story and recommending that in the collector's corner a little bit later. Um, all right. So let's go ahead and get into it. Let's talk about the trope train. Let's talk about the trope train. All right. So it starts right at the beginning. I got the scene right there does. for you. It does. It starts now, right off me, the bat. Let me start out by saying. I enjoyed the fact that we got right at it. And while I enjoyed the fight between the characters, like I enjoyed the choreography um, and I knew it was kind of coming because they, they definitely teased it. Um, there was a few things that bothered me about, about this. The first one is even though I have read a lot of us agent stories and I know Walker is unstable, there were things that he did in this fight that I felt like clearly they just want him to be a villain. Okay. Um, and I, I don't like that because I, I prefer the idea that, that Walker is kind of maybe a bit of an anti-hero, right. Um, and I like the idea that he can redeem himself. I like, would like to think that he can come back from the mistake that he made and, and eventually become a hero. Right. 
not Captain America hero because that's not who he is, but just that he can eventually, you know, become a hero. Um, so in this battle, um, the scene at which I think I kind of, I don't know, I kind of didn't like what we were doing was when they're fighting. Walker actually takes the shield and he acts like he's going to try and and smash Sam the way that that flag smasher was that he killed. And while I guess for the writers, they, they feel like it fits Walker and what he's going through. I honestly felt like that it did not fit the character in that moment. I really like it made more sense to me when he threw Bucky and he said, why are you making me do this? That to me made more sense because it's kind of like he's fighting because he doesn't want to give up, give up being Captain America. And I was totally into the fight up until that point. Like I was, I was totally, I was all into this and I was like, Oh, that's pretty good. But then when he goes, like he's going to smash Falcon's face in with the shield or whatever, I'm like, no, 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 no. I, I don't, I don't believe that. I don't believe that from Walker. And so what I've done the last few days, rewatched the episode, and I've seen other uh, YouTubers and, and other online pundits talking about, right, their feelings on the show. And I think it's definitely been cemented at this point that basically Walker is just a villain. You know, uh, he's just a villain, and we shouldn't expect anything more from him. So that's why I said that we're on the trope train. And I feel like that that's sad because I... I feel like there's more to be said with this character than what they're saying. Because they're going out of their way to try and make a lot of statements and say a lot of things about a lot of characters. And I feel like that there is something to be said. You know, if Walker is suffering from post-traumatic stress, right? Like if he is, if he is suffering from that, from his experiences, you know, serving in the military, then why do we have to automatically just make him the villain? Right? Like th that that's kind of my thing. I understood why he killed the Flag Smasher. And that, to me, that kind of made sense. You know, it was the heat of the moment. He took it too far. The serum's coursing through his veins. He was angry because, you know, his best friend, his partner had just been killed. And he just couldn't keep it inside. You know what I mean? And he took it out on that guy, right? I understood that. Um, there were things that happened in this fight while I enjoyed the choreography um, I felt like that that moment where Walker goes to basically kill Sam, I felt like it did not fit with his character because up until that moment, he's never expressed those kind of feelings towards Sam. Like he never has. His thing has always been, he says it, he even says it in here, we could have been a team. Like all right. of that stuff made sense to me. But when he went to kill Sam, I, I just, I didn't believe it. What did you think, Eric? Yeah, that that was a big moment for me as well. But but I'll be I'll be honest. I was already a little upset when I realized we were already going to have this 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 showdown so early in the episode, because I felt that they basically sacrificed a, an immense amount of possibly very good character development just to give us a a solid fight scene because it is a solid fight scene. But also they're shortchanging this character. So that they could do go in a different direction, um, and that's when I talk about the political world coming into to my entertainment. That's when I don't appreciate it. I don't need a BLM statement 
in this in this in this uh in this show. I don't need it. I really don't. Especially the way they did it. I, I do not I didn't need it. I didn't want it. And I felt that they they felt the writers felt they had to do that. That that it's an important part of, of Falcon's journey, right? Because I think we all know where this is going. So it's an important part of Falcon's journey. It has to be acknowledged, right? It has to be acknowledged. Um, and so they completely sacrificed Walker's character uh, so that they could put in that that message, that, that political messaging, that agenda. And that's why we had to have this happen right off the bat. No development, no reason like maybe why at this point, maybe Walker would want to kill Falcon, um, which doesn't make any sense in the context of this scene. This has basically just happened after after uh, you know Battlestar has been killed. Walker's anger is should be and I, I and and would be in my mind directed at, at the flag smashers, not at Falcon, you know, not 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 at, at Winter Soldier. In fact, I think to some extent, I think he would understand their concerns. Because I think he himself would be feeling a little bit bad and a little bit mixed up about what he did. Uh, this is a guy who supposedly has three months. Okay, it looks looks like we got a little bit of a hang up here on on uh, Erickson. Hopefully, it'll it'll snap back in place here in a moment. I'm going to keep talking, assuming that we're live. So, yeah, um, you know, I just, I felt like, for me, like I said, I felt like that that moment um, where um, Walker wanted to kill Falcon, and it seems like Eric is is in the same boat with me to an extent, um, that it just felt kind of, that it didn't really fit where where Walker was. You know, there's a lot of powerful moments in, in this episode. Uh, leading up to this fight that I totally um, bought into. Um, it looks like, yeah, Eric, uh, he should hopefully be back here shortly. Um, and I, there was a lot of moments I felt like were um, kind of earned and genuine. Like I, I like the fact that, um, that, you know, when we, when Walker, when he shows up in the, uh, in that warehouse, when he leaves, where he killed the flag smasher. I felt like all that stuff felt true to the character. Um, I just really felt like that rang true. Um, you know, uh, the way that, you know, he's, he's very emotional and he's, and he's realizing he's kind of, he's made a mistake. Um, and then that powerful, and I looked for that image on the internet, see if I could find a high res, a high resolution version of that image to use for the show graphic tonight where um, he's actually kind of kneeling down uh, behind the shield um, and, and you know, covering his helmet or whatever with his hand and, and realizing he's made a mistake. Like, I felt like, um, I felt like all of that rang true. So I just got a text from Eric. He is having some connection issues, so hopefully he should be back here, um, hopefully just in a couple of minutes. Um, I'm just going to text him and say, I'm... Still doing the show. All right, so here's the... Oh, here, Eric's back already. Okay. Um, so, sorry, yeah. Eric. Sorry about that. By the way, that's uh, very... I feel very conspiratorial now that that, that uh, my, my internet went down right when I was trying to make a, 
a, a wider point here <laughs> about right. the politics of the show. But uh, the bottom line is I felt that they took the character development away from Walker to go that way, to go that route. And I didn't appreciate it. Well, and I was just saying that I felt like that up until that moment, a lot of what they were doing with Walker, I liked, and I felt like it kind of rang true. You know, when you see him run into that warehouse and you can kind of see him, he's almost like kind of like mentally beating himself up, realizing that he'd made a mistake, right? And and I felt like that that image was really powerful where he's kind of kneeling behind the shield and he's got his, you know, his, his head in his hands, you know what I mean? And 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 he just seems really devastated with what he's done. Like all of that stuff really rang true to me. And I really, really liked all of that. Um, and then as the fight even commenced, I was totally down with the fight. I, I knew that for you know that I felt I knew from the comics that Walker would just wouldn't just surrender the shield. You know, like they they were gonna have to like there was gonna be a fight over it. And I was curious to see how far they were, were gonna go. Um, and so I didn't mind the fight. I didn't even mind the you know the fact that they broke Walker's arm, basically literally ripping the shield off of his body. I didn't have any issues with any that stuff. The thing that I didn't like was just that moment where Walker started to kill Sam because I it just didn't it didn't ring true to me. It didn't ring true to who Walker was. Um, I mean, and the other thing been, is again they could have they could have gotten there if they had taken their time and built up to this fight. They could have gotten there, but that clearly was not something they had any intention of doing in this episode. Yeah. And, and if I had been writing this episode, just so anyone's curious, you know, we probably would have still had the fight because that rings true for us agents character who would not have surrendered the shield like that. But if he'd pretty much just bested Bucky and then Sam, maybe he would have raised the shield up as if he was going to kill Sam and he would have realized what he was doing and he would have stopped himself and he would have just dropped the shield. And and that's where the fight would have ended, you know. That he would have, have been really, neat. yeah. And he would, and he would have realized he'd made a mistake, you know what I mean. And and then and then we could have seen him try to move forward, you know, as a damaged Captain America figure, whatever. I feel like there's value in that, um, but the way that they've done it now, he's just he's just your comic book villain, you know. And and no, I, I I like your version a lot better, Dave. Your version would have made a lot more sense, kind of like, oh, what have I become? That kind of yeah, thing. exactly. Having that sort of moment, that little bit of a, uh, an epiphany, uh, I think that would have been really cool. I also thought it would have been neat um, to see him on the run. I thought that yeah. would have been cool too. I, I thought the way they handled that was really cheesy, uh, really stupid. Uh, they're really over the top with that con that senator or congressman uh, character. Like he is just yeah. like a complete stock. You know, he is basically he needs he needs a mustache. You know, a twirl his mustache and a top hat. That, that's how yeah, bad he is. Yeah. You know what I mean? That that character is pathetic, you know? Yeah. So I, I, so I, yeah, I had a lot of problems and, and I, and like I said, I've been on, I've been on the internet now enough because I, I, I went out to see whatever everybody else was saying about Walker. And I guess I totally misread the landscape and I guess Walker was always supposed to be an obvious comic book villain. Um, but I was reading more into it than apparently what the writers intended. And I feel like that's kind of a shame because I feel like, you know, um, I feel like with a few minor tweaks, you know, they could have said something that's a little bit more interesting with his character. 
um, than what they've done. Because now he's now we just kind of know. What's then when would they have time to do the political messaging? You know, you still have time to do the political messaging. <laughs> you, you, you and 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 that's the thing. It's like you don't have to take away from all this other stuff you want to do. Uh, all, all you need to do is just look at Walker as more of a human being, you know what I mean, and and not just a typical comic book villain, and and just just apply a little bit more context. Uh, so as Hollywood Jackson says, "Tie me to the railroad track." That's how I feel. There you go. Absolutely. Just yep. go ahead and tie me to the railroad track, because this is supposed to be like advanced writing, right? Especially because of the uh, of the political stuff. It's not. This literally is tie me to the railroad track. This is the kind of writing we're getting, uh, but uh, it's going to be forgiven uh, because they have the correct political messaging. Well, and I thing. will now. I will say this: I did feel like that there there is a really powerful moment too in this episode that I did like, and that's where after they finally rip the shield off of Walker, and then Bucky picks the shield up, and he's standing there holding the shield, and Sam's on the ground. And he kind of looks at Sam and he just kind of drops the shield near him. And he's like, you know, look, look at what you caused because you just wouldn't pick up the shield. I felt like that was a that was a really interesting moment between these two characters. And I felt like Sebastian Stan had some really great acting there because he said so much with his body language and his look. You know what I mean? Just saying this is all your fault. Um, I thought that was pretty, pretty powerful. Um, and, and I really liked it. Um from a from, from a again because like I said my the characters I've been enjoying the most from the show have been Walker who's now just a villain um, you know Bucky which I've been really enjoying which Bucky there's still some interesting things to talk about with Bucky in this episode and I've been enjoying uh, just like Eric I've been enjoying the stuff with Zemo and I feel like there's a lot of potential with Zemo even though I feel like where they went with Zemo was kind of unfortunate but I don't think that we've seen well, we, the last we need to go Zemo. there now because you, that's my favorite character. So right, we got to go, go there. there. That's why I am so dis that's another reason I'm so disappointed in this episode. Um what they did with Zemo was pathetic. I can't believe it. I'm like seriously, this is the most interesting character in the series as far as I'm concerned. Uh and I know there are other Baron Zemo fans out there because I think he's done an amazing job. Uh they've done uh, some really fun things with this character, some very cool things with this character. This character has a perspective that I actually understand and it's an in-universe perspective right there isn't like a an obvious nod to whatever's going on in our society in his argument we are not literally dealing with super soldiers right now yes we have things like genetic engineering and you know uh arguments about cloning and and we might get there soon where we could do a super soldier serum but we're not there yet uh this is a totally in-universe argument and i was really into it and i really liked zemo's perspective which, by the way, uh, Walker, in a lot of ways, is advancing that perspective, that there is something intrinsically bad about the serum, that, that it, it just doesn't work all the time. Um, that was even talked about a little bit with the, uh, with the agenda stuff. They, they talked about the history of the program, and a lot of people that were subjected to super soldier serum, they died or they went insane. That was something that was actually uh, part of the issue with, with the super soldier serum and, and bringing it back. Uh, it, it doesn't affect everybody the same way. Uh, but this is an in-universe argument that I really liked, and Zemo represented that, and then they just took him away. Just take him away. He's off to Wakanda. The the, the Wakandis have found him, uh, and now he's just going back to prison. Uh, just like, what a waste. What an absolute waste. Well, I, I do feel like that uh, Zemo knew when to get off the trope train. I'm going to put that out there right now. Uh, so I, I don't... 
And and here's the thing, Eric. I don't think that we're done with Zemo. I think as far as his show's concerned, we are. But I do think they have plans for Zemo moving forward because they're actually taking him to the raft. They're not actually taking him to Wakanda. And on the raft, we've got General Thunderbolt Ross, and we've got a bunch of other supervillains who've survived these movies. You know, Ghost, Abomination. Who survived? They kill them all. <laughs> no. No, Abomination is still technically in universe and alive, and he is in prison on the raft. Oh, okay. um, and and there's quite a few actually Who remembers characters that, one? that <laughs> I do. It's like the least popular MCU movie, right? <laughs> I'm just putting it out there because I do feel like uh, that there is potential that there are things that they could do with these characters. And I'm just going to say, at least Zemo knew when to get off the trope train. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> I, I do actually see where you're going. Um, you know, even though I'm not super familiar with, with that, with with all that stuff, um, I do know enough about it to get myself in trouble. And I could see something being set up for a future installment if you want. But this is a series, and I want my series to be good because it is supposed to be a series, even if it is a mini series. I want a complete story. Um, I don't want to be as disappointed as I was with WandaVision. I was disappointed in that finale. I felt it really didn't go anywhere. Again, you know, I can save you a lot of trouble with WandaVision. The whole story is just to get to get her new suit. That's that's really what I feel about WandaVision. All that meandering, all that storytelling, uh, all the weird stuff going on, it was just to get her into a cool new outfit and sell more toys and the white vision, you know? Uh, I really feel that way. I really feel that way because it, they, they had the potential to do so much more, including introduce brand new characters or at least brand new characters to the MCU where we could have seen MCU versions of all these other characters that people care about in the, in the Marvel universe, in the MU. Um, and Falcon, the winter soldier is no different. A lot of this speculation and then the hype that, that you and I are kind of criticizing in a way, I totally understand it because I think it's what people want to see and they see the potential for it, but it's just not there because these writers are so limited. Um, and I, I, I mean, they're limited obviously by budget, but I think they're also limited by their own minds and the agendas of these, co these companies. So instead of actually introducing us to these characters and actually developing these characters, they got to go do weird, weird tangents and stuff like that that just don't belong here. They really don't. Not in a show called Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Seriously, this is, this is, a, this is a comic book movie or comic book television series, you know? Um, it's supposed to be fun, uh, but I and I do, but I do want the good storytelling, and I do want the character development, and I feel they're shortchanging that. Well, and I I do feel like that um, one thing for sure we can count on the next episode is a new outfit for for Falcon. I think <laughs> I think our expect so in that in that case, Eric, if you want to think about it. Um, New toy. You're, you're 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 totally you're totally on the right you're totally on the right train because I I definitely think we're getting. I, I'm, on yep, I'm on the trope train. Yeah, I'm on the trope train. Exactly where we're headed. Headed, headed to trope town. So yeah. So now I will say that I did. Um, and, and Hollywood and was, does say uh, that you have all the backstories, and that is correct. That that's one thing about well, Dave is Dave does have all the backstories. Let's uh, let's get into it just real quick. So. Let's go ahead and throw the rumor out there, and, and then I'll and then I'll quash it real quick. Okay, so a lot of people, a lot not a lot of people. There's been a lot of discussion about Thunderbolts and whether or not we could see the Thunderbolts set up at the end of Falcon the Winter Soldier. If by 
setup, you mean that General Thunderbolt Ross sits, comes and sits in Zemo's cell and says, I want to have a conversation with you, with you about a proposition. And Zemo has a weird tilty head thing with the squinty <laughs> eye look. Yes, we can see the Thunderbolts set up at the end of Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Now, is there any chance we're going to see anybody show up? Like, do, do we think Thunderbolt Ross is going to show up and in the middle of the fight turn into the Red Hulk and all no, this by the way, stuff? I, I want to. I want to. I, I need a point of clarification because, as, as Hollywood said, you are the one with the backstories. Okay, so Thunderbolt Ross. Okay, yep. Who we haven't even seen yet, by the way. Everybody yeah, keeps I, talking about Thunderbolts. We haven't even seen him yet. But keep going. But but, I'm, but, but okay. Let's let, let's just back this up because I don't. I know nothing about the Thunderbolts except basically what you've told me and what I hear in little rumors here and there. Okay. All right. So Thunderbolt Ross versus General Ross. What if any difference is there there? Is it the same person? It's the same person. Okay. So Ross, as far as the MCU is concerned, we last saw him at Tony Stark's uh, funeral at his memorial service because he was there. Yep. That's the that's last right. time we saw him. So as far as, and we talked about this in WandaVision. So as far as we know, and as far as I would, my, 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 my thought would be, Ross is still doing the same job he was already doing before, which is basically some kind of like world homeland security guy. Does that sound right? Yeah, I think he was like head of like the net. It was like the what was it, like the secretary of defense or something like that. But, but, yeah, no, but it was like a global thing. It wasn't he wasn't yeah, just yeah. America. It was right, like he yeah. was like the head of some sort. Again, for lack of a better term, it was like the, the world home security. You know what I mean? That's like what he was in charge of. That's that's my understanding. Or at least that was my understanding. Uh, I mean, like I said, I, I thought he was the head of national defense for the United States. Uh, but as far as after the blip, we don't exactly know what his role is after the blip because I don't think it's been completely confirmed or fleshed out. But he is theoretically still in some sort of quasi-policing, coordinating with you know, super-powered agencies. That, that's what I would think. That's what yeah, I would something think. like is that. Yeah, that he he does something. Even though we haven't seen him again since uh, that that scene in Endgame, right. uh, there's been no indication. In fact, I thought that was another missed opportunity. I thought Ross definitely could have and should have showed up in Wandavision. He definitely could have and should show up in this one. Whether he will or not, we don't know. I don't uh, think he is. I don't think so either. I really don't. I I, I just feel like they are. Makes no they sense. are doing Why such not? a bad job at what was the bread and butter of the MCU, which was to connect everything together. The MCU, in my mind, is so successful because they did a wonderful job of connecting everything together. And, you know, that, that Hulk movie, a lot of people, they didn't like it. But that that end scene, that's what basically started the MCU is when Ross comes to Iron Man. You know what I mean? And says, hey, we have this project, right? That's the that's the beginning of the Avengers, essentially, is that conversation between Ross and Iron Man. And it's just like there's so many missed opportunities here to connect the dots together at least a little bit. So we really do have a, a, a solid indication of where things are going. And it's really weird to me. It's really weird to me. I, I almost feel like is Feige like like somehow like not as involved with the TV shows. It, it, it's, it's just kind of weird. Well, it's strange because to me what the TV shows remind me of is the early days of the Marvel movies where they were kind of interconnected, but it wasn't obvious yet. And and then as the movies went on and we started getting the Avengers movies, then the connections were very clear and deliberate. 
And in this, the pro the I feel like with the Disney Plus shows, we know everything's supposed to be interconnected. Like for example, okay, if if things transpire along the lines as what happened in this episode, if the GRC, GPC, I forget what they're called, whatever this world committee is, if this world committee has indeed been captured and rounded up by the flag smashers and they're intended to send a message, right? As what we saw towards the end of this episode, we saw War Machine, right? At the beginning of this show, then in my mind, it makes sense that War Machine is going to show up in the finale. Like War Machine should be standing side by side with Sam. You know, Bucky's going to show up a little late. Um, the Air Force captain guy who, who Sam has a friendship with, I, uh, I can't remember his name, um, who keeps asking about, you know, Sam teaching him how to fly, like he should show up as the new Falcon. Like, like, you know, there's just, there's like all this sort of stuff that if it were Avengers, about this guy? yes, Torres, if were, yeah, Torres, if, 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 because I, I, if I remember correctly, I haven't read a lot of the newer Marvel stuff. But my understanding is in the comics, he is the new Falcon. So, you know, let me just say, if I were writing this show, you'd have War Machine, Sam is our new Captain America, Torres would be there as the Falcon, Bucky would be there, I dare say War Machine, War Machine would be there. Like, you know, it'd be pretty obvious that these heroes would make a stand against the Flag Smashers, right? Um but instead, we're getting I feel like, like the a, flag smashers would just be pathetic against them. You know what I mean? That, that, that's I, fine. I, I have that's no respect fine. for the flag put, smashers at all. Put, not as characters, not as villains, uh, their agenda, nothing. I mean, I, I just am like, Bleh, you know. Well, here's here's my other here's my one thing I hope happens in the in the last episode, and this is going to sound really cold blooded and cruel. But I really hope U.S. Agent gets his revenge on Carly. There you go. I oh, said me it. too. All right, now. Oh, I am completely with you on that one, 100%. I want that character dead so bad. <laughs> I mean, I, I hate that character. I hate her perspective. I hate her little Antifa thing. I, I just, I, I despise the character. I absolutely think she's a terrible, she's terrible even as a villain. I mean, I, I, I just, I don't like her. I don't like her at all. Well, I just feel like if, if, if we have to have Walker as a villain in the MCU, you know, let's let's just have him go ahead and have his full revenge, and let's just go ahead and cast him as a villain then, if, if that's what we're going to do. Um, but, um, I mean, that's what I would have had happen. But I feel like that what's going to happen is, obviously, Sam's going to show up in the new Captain America outfit. Um, I do feel like that we're going to get Bucky showing up there towards the end to try and help save the day. Um, there, I Walker, I believe, is going to show up and make everything a royal mess. At some point, he and Sam are going to fight yet again, even though I don't feel like that's necessary. I because Walker's a villain, it makes no sense for Walker to fight Sam when Walker wants to kill Carly. Like, if Walker shows up, he should want to honor his Battlestar, you know, Leroy's life by at least bringing Carly in. And then in the heat of the battle, actually maybe kill her. Like, it makes more sense to me and him be like, look, I'm just here to help. I want her brought to justice. You know, like, like, but I have a feeling that he's going to show up and he's just going to fight Sam because he wants the shield back. And I, I don't, I don't well, well, one like of the things, One of the things I think that has been set up um, that I, I don't understand, that I think is dumb, 
is that Falcon does have sympathies towards uh, the, 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 the flag smashers. Okay. Uh, he absolutely is sympathetic to them, uh, which I hate. I, 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 I'm like, seriously, that's just dumb. Um, but he does. And so what I think is being set up is basically, uh, you know, U.S. agent Walker, he's going to want to kill her and Falcon's going to be like, no, no, you know, don't do it. That kind of a thing. It's going to be really stupid. That, that's what I think is going to happen. That's what that's going to be the source of their conflict. Um, I do want to ask you this. Do you really buy Walker making his own shield? Like, where did he get where did he get the animantium or whatever? Well, he it well, it's not adamantium. That's that's the X Men thing. Um, even though now they can have adamantium now, but um, and and I don't think it's vibranium either. I think it's he vibranium. Just made it out yeah, of that's steel. what it is. I think it's vibranium. Yeah, I don't. It's whatever the Wakandans have. Whatever no, the Wakandans I have. I don't think it's made out of vibranium. I think it's just made out of regular steel. You know, there's a seam. No, no, no. And one of the. No, it's definitely made out of. It's it's vibranium. It's whatever the Wakandans use for their own weapons. That's why when they use their spear on it, it doesn't puncture through. It's the same no. thing. No, I understand that that you know that when he was fighting the Wakandans early in the se season, he was using Steve's shield. What I'm saying is, U.S. Agent's shield is not going to be made of the same stuff. Oh, it's well, that's be made pathetic, then. That, then what's yeah, the use of it? Well, it's 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 gonna go in line with that Walmart Captain America meme I've heard <laughs> making the rounds, and and it's gonna be unfortunate because there's actually a scene in one of the trailers before this episode, the mid-season teaser. There's a scene where someone is throwing a shield and Carly's kicking it away like it's nothing. I'm pretty sure that's Walker's homemade shield that she's kicking away like it's nothing. Because if it's the vibranium one. It would have probably like knocked her into the car that she's standing in front of. Uh, I so, think I did. I actually think I did see that scene. Yeah. So I, I'm pretty confident that it's just made out of steel or something. It may still be effective, but to an extent, but it's just not going to be the same thing. I, I guess that's the thing. It's like, I guess for me, like I said, I don't hate the show. I'm enjoying it for the most part. Um, you know, I'm I'm curious to see what Sam's outfit's going to look like. I'm genuinely curious. I have no idea what it's going to look like. I mean, I know there's been tons of images on the internet. I have no idea if they're going to go that direction or not, to be honest with you. Um, you know, but I but here's what I don't think is going to happen. I don't think we're going to get some new version of the Avengers showing up to basically save this world committee, even though it makes no sense because... If these people are really these important political officials, why in the world wouldn't War Machine show up if he's in Washington, D.C. and this is happening in New York? You're telling me he couldn't get there in time? Like, So that's my problem because I feel like it's like those early Marvel movies where we know it's interconnected, but it still doesn't make sense. You know what I mean? Like, It doesn't make any sense why the only people that's going to show up is going to be Sam and Bucky. <laughs> <laughs> especially since Bucky basically left. Like we don't even know where Bucky went. Like I just, at the end of this yeah, episode, the, the he's like, I got to go catch a plane. The world building is so bad to me at this point. I mean, it, it, it really just feels so small. I mean, by this point, the, the, the United States government alone should have its own sort of super soul, super team of some sort, you know what I mean? Or at least some sort it of team should. that's meant to go after these guys, you know? Um, and it, it's just ridiculous if they don't. Um, and the idea that the entire world, they don't have anything. I mean, it, it's, it's just, it's ridiculous. It doesn't make any sense. 
You got you got all these superpower people running around, all these different crazy agendas, including villains, aliens, all sorts of stuff. Uh, but at the end of the day, uh, nothing. You know what I mean? They're 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 at the they're going to be at the mercy of these pathetic uh, flag smashers, and then you know uh, Falcon's going to show up as Captain America, take over the mantle. The end. Have a fight with Walker. The end. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, and I and that's the thing. It's like I, I hope it's going to play out better than that, but I I definitely feel like that's where we're headed. So um, I would not expect. I would not expect some super amazing thing in the last episode. I, I'm generally curious to see how it's going to end. Like I said, I haven't hated this show. Like, this show is definitely not Picard. Let me put that out there. This show is not Picard. I don't hate this show as much as I hated Picard. <laughs> um, it's not that. I just look at, again, potential. There's, there's so much more potential than what we're seeing. And, and I guess for me... Because I'm a U.S. agent fan, you know, having read a lot of the comics and whatever. I mean, I know he's not Captain America. That was kind of the point of the character in the first place. I mean, like, for example, I, um, I'm i not a huge fan of Jean-Paul Valley as, as Batman, uh, but I like the Azrael Batman. Like, you know, you know, a, the Punisher is Batman. It's an interesting idea to explore. You know what I mean? It doesn't mean he should be Batman all the time, but it's fun for some stories. So I... I kind of like that idea. Um, but at the same point, I feel like that what they've done with Walker is they've just cast him as an obvious comic book villain. And, and I felt like they were going to do something more interesting than that. So when they wound up uh, where they did in this episode, I was just like, okay, all right, I guess he's just a villain. He's going to make that Walmart shield. He's going to go out there and fight Sam. Okay. All right. You know, I guess we're 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 gonna get that Captain America versus Captain America moment, whether we want it or not. I guess so. There you go. There you go. And I, I honestly don't really have anything else to say. <laughs> I don't either. I honestly, I don't either. I just, as much as I liked the last episode and the potential of what they could have done and what they could have said. And here's the thing: the the messaging. For all for the other stuff, I don't have any issues. You want to put a message in your show or whatever. My, my my complaint with this is I feel like that that Walker as a character, based off what they've set up, is being shortchanged. You know, he doesn't have to be Steve, and he doesn't have to be Steve at the end of the show either. What he can be is someone who made a horrible mistake, who still wants to represent an ideal and try to become the hero that he wants to think himself to be, or he wants to be. It, do, it doesn't have to go this route. You know, people make mistakes all the time. It doesn't mean that their life's over because that that's the message of Walker. I made one horrendous, awful mistake and now my life is over. Now I'm nothing but the villain. Is that really the message you want to send to people? Or can you say, I made one horrendous, awful mistake. Let me pay for my crimes. Let me atone. Let me find a way to be better, right? And, and, and that's the thing. I just, in the middle of all this, with all the other messaging, I feel like the message is coming from Walker is almost counterintuitive to some of the other messaging because we have someone who's made a mistake and now for the rest of this character's existence, he's nothing but a villain. Okay, well, that doesn't really, that doesn't really jive. <laughs> Well, with the character in the comics, because he eventually did become a hero, you know, but whatever. 
you know, that's that's what it is at the end of the day. It is kind of like whatever. So, and again, I, I think that it, it, that they have sacrificed character development for the political messaging. Bottom line, that's exactly what they did. Um, and I, and and I and I can see that. And I, and like I said, I I don't have a problem, you know, myself personally, with what they're trying to say, generally speaking. But when I look at what they're doing with some of these characters, it doesn't ring true. You know, if, if you're going to give us that message, then why are you showing us someone who's made one mistake, who's now a criminal for the rest of his life, right? Like, you see what I'm saying, right, Eric? Like, that doesn't, that doesn't match up. <laughs> no, it's, it's very inconsistent. The, the writing in this is very inconsistent. Yeah. Um, and it, at one moment, you're, you're, you're watching a completely different show. And I don't appreciate it. I don't like it. It's it's very jarring, and it's funny how they'll, they'll have something that's so intense and so uh, messed up, and then immediately you get some sort of like one of those cheesy MCU dad jokes. You know what I mean to break the yeah. tension. And it's like yeah. it doesn't work. It doesn't work. Yeah. It doesn't work at all. And I and I feel like well, Hollywood Jackson says I made one mistake and now I'm president. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I, I just now, I, now that's I, some real life right there, Hollywood Jackson. That's some real. That's some real life right there. <laughs> yeah, I just I, I, and that's kind of my thing. I just I I, you know, I guess that's my review of this episode. Whatever, you know that that maybe that just kind of sums it up because I, I just don't understand how what they've done with Walker syncs up with what I thought they were trying to say with this show, right? The show to me seems to be about second chances, right? Like that's what I'm thinking. The show's about second chances, right? I have this weird feeling that somehow Carly's going to be redeemed at the end, even though maybe she shouldn't. She's killed more people on screen than Walker has. Okay, I understand that Walker was a soldier, but let's be honest. But her cause screen, is just, Dave. But her cause is just. And and his, Walker his, Walker wants to represent America, which is bad. And that's, I think, at the end of the day, that's the message of this show. And that's what I'm sick of, okay? Yeah. Her message, her Antifa globalist bullshit message is good. Walker's message as being a champion for America is bad. That's what I think this show's about. And see, I thought we were going to get an interesting, nuanced, balanced view that depending upon your perspective and the way that you go about achieving your goal, that's maybe what makes you evil, Right the way that you go about it. But instead, eh, Walker bad, Carly good. Whatever. There you go. Exactly. That's my that's my that's my whole thing with this episode. Well I was I was I was you know now I've got to look forward to is Sam new Sam's new outfit. That's it. I feel like we're at WandaVision all over again. I hope I like the new outfit. That's that's well what maybe we for. can get something out of it in the collector's corner because I'm sure there'll be speculation when the figure comes out. <sighs> I don't we'll get, some, we'll get we'll get something out of it with her. By that I'm point, sure, I'm I, sure I'm sure that'll that'll be a big deal when it happens. So, but see, by the time we get to that point, I won't want to talk about it in the collector's corner. That's the problem. <laughs> Hollywood I'll Jackson, I like I like the way you think. I'm ready for Norris versus Picard. Yeah, there we go. That's now that mean. that's that, a great that's idea. That, that that's. <laughs> I feel like that's an episode of the Retro Rogues that might actually be able to break through the algorithm too, Eric, if you think about it. <laughs> Based on the weird statistics Picard. we've seen, that might break through. 
<laughs> It'd be our biggest episode ever. Who would win in a fist fight, Norris or Picard? Obviously Norris, <laughs> but anyhow. Oh, wow. Okay, that's, yeah. Oh, man. I just, I, I hope they've got some interesting things up their sleeve for this last episode, because otherwise, I, like I said, I didn't hate it, but I, my review at the end of the day is going to be like, whatever. Okay. Yeah. So many interesting ideas that they had, and, and I thought they were doing something really clever, and they were going to give us this really interesting, nuanced message. But at the end of the day, it's it's just heavy-handed. So that it is. That it is. Yeah. You ready to move on to Collector's Corner? I am. I am. Um, let me see if I can get my uh, screen to response and get the graphic up here real quick. I do have the graphic ready. Oh, okay, cool. If you pull the graphic up, okay. All right, so uh, we're here for another installment of the Collector's Corner. Here in the Collector's Corner, we uh, like to talk about some of the fun things that people like to collect, like comic books and acting figures and trading cards and, you know, maybe statues. I don't know. Just all the fun things that people like to collect. That's what we like to talk about here in the Collector's Corner. At the very least, we hope it's something that you will find worthy of discussion. All right, so in this episode of the Collector's Corner, I have gone in a completely different direction than what we've been doing now along those same lines if you liked baron zemo um if you like avengers if you want to read a fun storyline this is kind of my idea uh with the selection i've made for this evening now this is actually a run of avengers comic books um, you can pick these comic books up uh, relatively inexpensive. Sometimes you can pick them up in a lot, like all together, along with a couple extra uh, issues. Um, one of these books, depending upon uh, the time at which you buy it, may set you back 15 you know, $12 to $15, give or take. That's the one that's got Thor on the front right there. Um, occasionally the one that's got Black Knight, he's the guy wearing the helmet. Uh, that one that looks like he's a portrait of him. That one can sometimes set you back a little bit because that's the 25th anniversary cover with this special border. Um, but generally speaking, you can pick these books up relatively inexpensively. Now, what these are is this is the Under Siege storyline. There's actually maybe an issue or two missing out of this, but for my mind anyway, this is the totality of the Under Siege storyline. Um, this is Avengers issues 273 all the way to 277. This is from 1986. Let me give you the setup. Baron Zemo has assembled a new Masters of Evil. Now, we've never seen the Masters of Evil in the Marvel Universe. Let me tell you who the Masters of Evil are. The Masters of Evil are a group of supervillains that band together to destroy the Avengers. Okay? So Baron Zemo has assembled a new Masters of Evil, and he's called it together with all these different personalities and what Baron Zemo has managed to do with this new Masters of Evil is take control of the Avengers mansion. And then as the Avengers are showing up to respond to what's happening at the mansion, they're kind of taking them out one by one. It's a really awesome, fun storyline. You get a lot of Avengers characters. A lot of us have known, uh, become to know and love from the movies. You've got Ant-Man in this. Wasp is in this. Monica Rambeau, who I was talking about. Monica Rambeau Captain, as Captain Marvel is actually in this. We have Thor. We have Captain America. 
And we have some other characters that we haven't met yet in the MCU who we will be meeting soon, such as the Black Knight. Black Knight we, has been confirmed as in the Eternals movie. Black Knight is in this storyline. Story and also some characters who we haven't seen at all, like Hercules. Hercules plays a big role in this. This is a really great, fun, fun uh, Avengers storyline. I highly, highly recommend. Again, you can pick them up really inexpensive. It's a really fun read. It's a fun series of comics to have in your collection. Not any speculation on these. This is just a great run of Avengers comics I thought would be fun to recommend for people to check out. And then as I showed earlier, you can actually, if you want, you can actually pick up the uh, the trade paperback. There's a lot of different versions of it. Um, the one that, let me turn my cam back on to get the light going here. The one that I was showing um, earlier, this is actually... Um, this is actually, the, let me get the banner oh. down there. All right. Sorry. So we can see you. All right. So this right here, this is one of the trade, the trade paperbacks. This is actually the hardcover. This is, uh, again, Avengers under siege. This is a Roger Stern, uh, story, uh, drawn by, uh, the great John Buscema himself and actually inked, uh, by Tom Palmer. Um, just a really, really great and fun Avengers storyline. Um, so I highly, highly recommend checking this out. And again, no speculation on this. This is just a really great fun Avengers story. So I thought it'd be a kind of a different direction to take because like I said, um, I'm not hating Falcon and Winter Soldier, but I'm just wishing it was more like the comics, you know, where you see all these crazy different heroes and all these different things kind of, you know what I mean? Like coming together. And that's the fun thing about this. This is an interesting storyline where you get to see a whole different array of Avengers coming together to stop a threat. And then the threat actually happens to be Baron Zemo. Now, so, Dave, the, the, the hardback that you're holding in your hand, that's all of those issues collected together? Yes, and, and a few others. Uh, this one goes for about $30. Uh, but again, it, it is a hardcover. Um, it's got great, um, great reproduction. Uh, it just, it's a really great looking book. I was going to show if I could, um, I mentioned this actually last episode, we were talking about Baron Zemo and I said, one of my favorite images of Baron Zemo is actually in this storyline. I love this shot of, uh, Baron oh, Zemo cool. here at this control panel. This is really fun. Um, and man, these covers are just amazing. I mean, look at that one. Hercules surrounded by all these villains. Uh, it's just it like if you love superhero action adventure comics, if you like the Avengers, if you haven't had the chance to get into the comics, I highly, highly recommend this. Again, you can pick up uh, these trade paperbacks. Like I said, $30. It can, you know, they have all the issues contained, obviously. But if you want to pick up the individual issues, those are fun to have as well, since we've been primarily focusing on individual issues. But this is just a really great Avengers storyline. It's actually one of my favorite Avengers storylines. So I thought we would recommend this for this evening. Yeah, that's that's a good looking book right there. That I think that would be really cool to, for for anybody's collection. Uh, I realize a lot of people, like you said, they they want to collect the individual issues, and and there's a whole reason for doing that. But that's kind of nice. That, that that looks pretty good. Uh, yeah, it's presentation there. It's a it's a really it's a really great book, and uh, I just highly highly uh, recommend it. So, All so, right, so uh, Hollywood had a technical question for you. He said, "How do you get?" those covers so perfect with no glare? Do you scan them? Uh, well, uh, sometimes I scan them and then sometimes I just download them off the internet. <laughs> so 
Uh, Marvel.com actually has a lot of these covers uh, scanned high resolution, um, like like crazy high resolution um, that you can actually pull off of the Marvel.com website. Um, now, some of these they did not have scanned, so I did have to scan a couple of these. Um, but I guess over the years, I've just gotten pretty good at, uh, at just scanning and making adjustments. Typically, what I'll do um, is I will actually scan half of it. And if I have to scan the other half and then take it into Photoshop and stitch it together. Um, and then, you know, sometimes I just take a photo. I'll just tip it in the right angle and take the photo. And then when I bring it into Photoshop, then I actually stretch it out and warp it. So it actually looks like it's flat, but in reality, I might've actually taken a picture of it at an angle. Oh, that's cool. So yeah, a lot of, a lot of kind of working, work, working with what you got, I, I guess. You know, the last 30 years, you know, I made that comment. I've been a, you know, a professional graphic designer and illustrator, and I've had to fix so many bad scanned photos and book covers and all kinds of stuff over the years. I've, I guess I've just gotten pretty good at it. But uh, several of these I just downloaded off of actually the, uh, the Marvel.com website. The ones who don't have a – you see the ones got a UPC code? Right. And then some of the other ones do not. The ones that do not have a UPC code that's actually – that has it blacked out. I actually downloaded those actually off of the Marvel uh, website. Um, and then that one that has UPC code, I did actually scan that one. And then the, the other two I did as well. That's interesting. All right. So that's what I have for tonight's uh, installment, actually, the Collector's Corner. Um, there is some other interesting things going on. Eric and I, we're going to talk about just briefly. We're going to kind of spoof. Um, but uh, first, uh, Eric, do you have anything for tonight's installment of the Collector's Corner? No, nothing that that fits. Nothing that fits exactly with Collector's Corner, unfortunately for me today. All right. Well, let's let's just talk about this just briefly. So there are actually a a we were talking about it, and I had mentioned the fact that I I sometimes don't feel comfortable recommending some of the more modern books just because sometimes I haven't had it. I haven't even had a chance to see them yet. So I'm going to go ahead and mention this uh, for those of you that are interested. There is some speculation and interest in Joker number two and Joker number three. This is the new DC series. I actually recommended Joker number one on a previous episode, um, actually in the collector's corner. Um, there's a lot of speculation. And again, I haven't seen them yet. Like I have, Issue two on order, but it hasn't shown up yet. Um, and then issue three, um, I don't think I'd actually ordered it yet, to be honest. But um, anyhow, the the rumor mill is that Bane, if you saw Dark Knight Rises, if you're not a comics fan, that might be where you know Bane from. But if you read the comics, he's a very different character. But Bane, um, his daughter, what that actually means, we don't know yet, um, is actually <laughs> debuting either in a cameo or in a limited role in issue two of the Joker. And that's actually going to have a full debut actually in issue three. And there's a lot of speculation and a lot of talk going on in the collector's kind of community about people recommending issues uh, two and three are mostly recommending issue three. Actually the new Joker series, primarily because we have the debut coming up of actually Bane's daughter I believe they're calling the character Vengeance or something like that. Um, I haven't seen them, which is why I'm not actually going to give it like a, a hard recommend. But 
But for those people that are curious to look into it, um, definitely do some search out. Again, that's Joker 2 and 3 uh, of the current DC Comics series. And then one other quick thing in the collector's corner I want to mention, um, someone's actually doing a live stream about it right now, but there is a new grading service that is in the process of getting up and running for uh, actually for, I think it's primarily for sports cards. I haven't heard if they're actually going to be doing Marvel cards necessarily, but it's a new service uh, getting ready to actually come online here pretty soon. Um, as I learn more about it, um, I'll highlight it and, and talk about it here on the show. Um, I think it's personal finance dad, I think is what the guy goes by on YouTube. But I think one of the people actually behind it, they're actually talking about it live right now on YouTube while we're doing our show. So that's why I don't have more information for you, everybody. I, I heard they were going to talk about it. I can't obviously watch it and talk about it while we're trying to do our show. Uh, but I know that he is talking to interviewing someone about this new service. But as I find out more, I'll be happy to share it. I did do a quick internet search and I couldn't find anything about it just yet. I think it's too new. So maybe next episode we'll have some information for maybe hopefully a different place where you might be able to go and get your Marvel, your DC cards graded. I think it would be nice if the collector's community did embrace some of these other grading companies a little bit more. That's one of the problems. That's one of the reasons that PSA is so popular is they seem to have become sort of the gold standard of uh, grading for whatever reason. I, I actually saw a video and I wish I could remember what the other company was, where this guy was comparing his PSA graded card to another company. And he was just going off about how much he loved the PSA one. And I was looking at the other one and I was like, the other one looks way better. Like the, 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 it just looked classier. It looked like a better, uh, you know, like a better, um, uh, a better protector. You know, it just looked nicer. It looked, you know, the, cause like with PSA, I noticed it's just kind of like a printed out sticker essentially. And this other one, it was almost like a, um, it was almost like a plaque, you know? Yeah, I was like, yeah. man, this one. And this guy was just going off about how much he loved the PSA one. I'm like, why? I was like, are you just completely brainwashed? Because that's become sort of the standard. And that's what most of these collectors seem to like. But it's like, just looking at these two different, just looking at the two cases side by side, the other one to me looked so much better and so much classier. So I do wish that the 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 you know the collectors would would kind of understand that instead of just giving everything to PSA, which I don't think is their friend. I really don't. I think it's very obvious they're not. Um, I, I wish they would they would get into some of these other grading companies that you could actually access. You know that would be nice too. Is is a is a company that actually is taking submissions um, and that kind of a thing because of course PSA actually stopped. Uh, so. I, I, I do wish that they would allow for a little bit more competition with that because uh, it, it's definitely needed and collectors really should embrace that instead of just giving all their money to one grading, co grading company. I, I don't understand that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel the same way. Um, I do. Um, I, yeah. It's weird. It's just a strange thing um, with what's going on right now. You know, we were talking about that before we actually went live here on the show talking about all the, the craze of the speculation and, and how it's spilling over to all kinds of stuff, you know, it's comics, cards, you know, action figures. Like it, it doesn't matter what it is. Like there's just this crazy speculation just swirling around any and every little thing. Um, and then, you know, I was telling Eric, it's like, I don't like to get too far into that personally, just because 
I want to be sure the things that I'm recommending, I think people will have fun with, you know what I mean? And, and like, you know, and, you know, if for some reason it doesn't turn out, you know, the speculation side, recommend side or whatever, you know, they're not too far, you know, they're not too heavily vested in it, you know, in terms of like spending too much money on something, right? Like that's, that's mm -hmm. the approach I tend to try and uh, apply to things. Um, and that's like, you know, for tonight, you know, that there, there are some different things I could have recommended, but I felt like it would be fun to just recommend like a fun storyline, you know what I mean? And, and a series of books that I just think are just great in general, you know, and, and then we'll, we'll see where we are down the road, you know? I will say that one positive thing about, for instance, with the Joker number two thing is because that is something that at least in theory you can still find in stores, you can get it at a premium price. And if this is something that's going to go up in value because it's the quote unquote first appearance of Bane's daughter, uh, which, you know, the, these days it always feels like first appearances are, are almost like a guarantee to go up, but there are no guarantees. Um, you, you know, it, it's 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 a it's a much easier price point to get in on. Because, again, in theory, you can still find it at a comic book shop. I don't know if you actually can. For instance, I remember when I was looking for the Picard uh, books because we actually reviewed them on the show and I wanted physical copies. Uh, I absolutely could not find the photo variants. I'm sure those have got to be, I've already gotten up in value. Um, and I ended up having to get the ones with the artwork. And it was really hard for me to get those. I had to go to numerous uh, shops uh, that they were constantly sold out. And it was a really mediocre storyline, right? I mean, we really we, we thought, you know, it was it wasn't really that great, right? So, and it really didn't fit Picard well at all, uh, the actual series. But I, I would imagine they're worth some money, you know what I mean? At this point, because th there was a high demand for them, I'll tell you that, because they were constantly sold out of those books. So uh, maybe with Joker too, there's a little opportunity there for people uh, to find that book in the wild, and uh, you never know, it might go up. That's the trick if you can find it. If so, you can find it, yep. Yeah, that's... And again, like I said, Picard was very difficult for me to find in the wild, even being aware of it and going out basically like the day it came out or the day after it came out. I was having trouble finding it. So sometimes that's just the way it is. So, yeah, so what we're saying is, is, is um, if you're an investor and if you can find it, perhaps you can purchase a copy of Joker number two. To the A team score. <laughs> All right, so I think that's going to be it for this ep this uh, installment of the Collector's Corner. Um, I'll, I'll try and have a little bit more for you next week, everybody. As explained to Eric, my my day job work week has been an utter nightmare, um, and so um, and then I've had some personal stuff going on, so it's just been. And that, nothing bad, nothing bad. I don't want to mention what it is, though, because I don't know if it'll get us banned off the internet. But anyhow, um, <laughs> I think everything gets us banned. Seems, seems like I, I sneeze. I don't think we, we can get, say we get anything our... without getting banned. I mean, my, my entire internet just went down uh, because I was saying something that could be viewed as controversial. I'm sorry, but I, I, get, I do get conspiratorial about this stuff sometimes. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, let's go ahead and segue into pop culture uh, news, if that's okay. Sounds um, good to me. I'll set it up here real quick, and then we'll uh, we'll get into uh, get into talking about this. So, um, here in the pop culture news segment, we like to talk about uh, things that are happening in the world of pop culture news. Ideally, hope it's something that's either piqued my interest or Eric's interest, 
But at the very least, we hope it's something worthy of discussion. That's what we like to talk about here on the Pop Culture News. All right. Eric, do you want to go first tonight, or do you want me to go first tonight? Yeah, I'll go. I'll go ahead and go first on this one. I All got right. several articles, so I gotta I gotta prioritize this and figure out which one I want to do. Okay, I, we did one in the lead-in, so I got to do that one. This this one's interesting. This apparently is a rumor. Uh, this is from uh, Loudwire.com, and uh, the article reads: Rob Zombie is rebooting the monsters. It's rumored to be a Peacock exclusive, and again, that is just a rumor. That is just a rumor. So it says, Rob, Rob Zombie and Mid-Century TV's The Munsters will soon c- come together on screen as the Three from Hell author and musician has landed yet another classic entertainment property on which to put his unique stamp as a filmmaker. And the project's rumored to be part of NBC Universal's new streaming service, Peacock. According to Bloody Disgusting, the gossip on Monday, April 19th, was that the solo artist and former white z- zombie band leader also known to horror movie devotees for his Firefly trilogy, that's House of a Thousand Corpses, Devil's Rejects, Three from Hell, along with other, among other scary flicks, would most likely make The Monsters as a Peacock exclusive to premiere on streaming and in theaters at the same time. Now, right there, I'm wondering how that's supposed to work. And this is supposed to be a rumor, but it's like, is this going to be a series or a movie? And if it's going to be a series, are they basically saying the pilot's also going to be, re, you know, uh, put out there theatrically? I don't think we've seen that since Buck Rogers, have we, Dave? Yeah, well, I mean, they. I remember them doing that also with uh, Battlestar Galactica too. You know, there Battlestar was Galactica theatrical... was after Buck Rogers. I'm saying we haven't seen this since Buck Rogers. That's the last time I remember anybody trying to do something like that. Well, like I said, I well, I'm trying to remember. I, I think I, 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 there is nothing in modern memory that I can think of where they did no, that. No, no, not yet, not not in modern memory. But I, I just remember, I remember seeing Buck Rogers in the movie theater. I remember seeing Bowser Galactica, and it was it was the pilot. Yeah, that yeah, it, it's definitely been a while since we've seen that for sure. Irregardless, I mean, I, I do know that uh, there have been uh, TV movies that were released, you know, internationally, right? You know, the TV movies that were made in America that were. Like the Ewoks uh, movies, I know that they were released in Europe theatrically. They were actually were theatrical releases, but here they were just TV movies, uh, which, by the way, those are available on Disney Plus now. Uh, but I, I'm really wondering if if there's any credence to that at all. Also, remember Universal doesn't have that deal, uh, so there is a red flag on this article in terms of that because uh, we've actually discussed the Universal deal uh, numerous times on on our, our streaming wars uh, coverage. And their deal basically is that after uh, a certain uh, theatrical window, which is much shorter than the standard theatrical window, they can put their stuff out on on uh, you know on uh, on on streaming, right? Like like uh, the first time they did that was with uh, Trolls World Tour Two. It did come out in the theaters, and then within a couple of weeks, it was out on uh, you know SVOD, subscription video on demand, uh, and they did eventually I think put it on Peacock as well. Uh, so they don't do the 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 streaming and the theatrical at the same time. That's an HBO Max thing, and obviously Disney Plus has been experimenting with that as well, uh, like uh, Raya: The Last Dragon, or, or I can't remember exactly what it's called. Um, that that one did come out theatrically in certain certain theaters, by the way, because a lot of theaters wouldn't take it because the Disney deal apparently is not as good as the HBO Max Time Warner deal. 
Um, and so they did release that theatrically and then also put it on uh, Disney Plus as a premium where you had to pay additional money in order to watch that movie on Disney Plus. So there is a little bit of a red flag here. But my understanding is that as far as Rob Zombie doing something with some sort of Monsters reboot, that's pretty solid. Apparently, they are saying that is going to happen in some way or another. And it's kind of funny because I still watch the Monsters. Uh, I believe it's on Cozy TV, which is a over-the-air broadcast channel. It's like one of those digital sub-channels. I still watch it quite routinely uh, because I've always enjoyed the show. And I kept, I keep thinking, I kept thinking that in my head. When is somebody going to reboot the monsters? You know, when, when is someone going to remake the monsters? Because it seems like an obvious thing to do, and it just never happened. Well, the monsters have actually I'm trying to remember. The monsters have actually they have attempted to bring the monsters back a couple different times. Um, one of them was, and it was a TV show in the '90s um, that some people remember. Um, I watched and of it. Course, then, of course, too, there was that later one where they tried to contemporize it too much. You know what I mean? Um, and that was, I don't remember exactly when that was, but it had. Uh, that one was just a pilot, wasn't it? They never got past, the, they, they showed the pilot and then they never maybe showed they anything did, else. Yeah, maybe they didn't get past. I remember watching the pilot and thinking this doesn't quite work. I never um, saw that one, by the way. I just remember that something like that happened. <laughs> And my understanding yeah. was they showed the pilot, they aired it, but then they never did anything else with it after that. Yeah, and, and so there have been attempts to do it. I guess my only fear with this is in relation to Rob Zombie, having seen um, so many of his you know, Halloween remake movies and having seen some of his other material, you know, I, I don't know if I, I, I don't, I don't know if I'd pick him to do monsters. I, I just don't think of him as a a comedy, you know. Have you ever seen the family. Dragula video? The Dragula the video for Dragula. Have you ever seen it? No. It's awesome. You got it. You got to check it out. But you got to check it out, and, you, and then you can tell me whether you think he can't do it or not. It's cheesy. Oh, okay. It's corny. It's silly. It actually features not. It doesn't feature the. The Dragula, the Dragula dragster, it actually features the Monsters car. But I think he figured that saying the Monsters car wasn't as cool as saying Dragula. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's not, it's right. not, it's not, uh, it's not Grandpa's car, which is the which is the cool, you know, hot rod, uh, the the Dragula, the the Dragula, uh, you know, uh, uh, dragster, right? The Dracula dragster. So it's a, a Dragula. Right. Um, it's he's actually in the Monsters car riding around and stuff like that it's it's a it's a fun little video and it, oh, it's a great okay. song by the way too it's an awesome awesome song so well i, I can totally see it i mean and and i haven't seen any of the halloween stuff i mean i i've only seen like a house of a thousand corpses and i think the sequel to that uh i don't think i've really seen any other of rob's rob zombies movies but i did like that video i'm telling you check it out it, it is kind of fun see i i like uh I enjoy a lot of Rob Zombie's music. I, I do. I haven't seen a lot of his music videos because it, it's a weird thing. I just I tend to think that music videos don't exist anymore. I mean, I know they do, but you know what I'm saying? Like it's just it's just not like it once was, you know? Um it's not no, I'm just saying mind, check out the video. Just because no, if, yeah, if, yeah. if he if he has the mindset of doing something like that, I think it could really be fun. So all right. Well, we'll see. We'll see. You know, along those lines, I well, 
Well, well Hollywood Jackson is expressing concern. He says Rob, Rob Zombie's Munsters. Oh no. <laughs> and then uh, Jane is in the house and she just said, hi. So good to see you, Jane. Hi mom. All right. Well, that's an interesting story. Um, well, I guess, I guess we'll see. We'll see how far this gets. I mean, you know, we were talking about the Battlestar Galactica uh, reboot that kind of stalled out or remake or whatever the heck it was. So we'll, that's we'll see how this is. Uh... That's another one that was weird because they were talking about doing a movie and a series. And I was like, that's not going to happen. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. And I still wonder if getting rid of the showrunner was a way for them to concentrate on the theatrical project and, and basically not do the series. That's, that's a speculation on my point. Well, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Um, all right. So um, if you don't mind, I'm going to um, share my screen here real quick and uh, I'll do my story. So my story is going to be like, haven't you already covered this? All right. So uh, <laughs> over on uh, EW.com, of course, uh, Entertainment Weekly's website. Um, this is, uh, yeah, you're right, everybody. Look closely. Th this uh, news article broke um, basically yesterday. Headline says, Michael Keaton confirmed to return as Batman in the Flash movie. We're not going to read too much of this, but we're just going to get into it just briefly, and I'll talk about why I'm bringing it up. So uh, basically, this is by uh, Nick Romano. Please ignore the weird video it's playing. It says, <laughs> the actor will reprise superhero role next to Ezra Miller and director Andy Muschietti's upcoming Flash film. So it's official. Michael Keaton, who played the Dark Knight at Tim Burton's era of Batman movies, will return to don the cape and cowl again in the upcoming Flash movie. The Flash director, Andy Muschietti, stated in August that he had big plans with a substantial role for Keaton's Batman, even though Ben Affleck is also set to reprise his caped crusader after debuting in Zack Snyder's Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice. But Keaton's casting seemed in doubt when he told Deadline. He kept He's keeping tabs on the, we're not going to say that word, situation. Um, but no, EW, meaning Entertainment Weekly, can now confirm the actor never left the project. So here's the deal, everybody. This is why this is a story, okay? Um, this happened just a little while ago. Uh, we already talked about the fact that Michael Keaton was going to be Batman. We made a big deal out of it. I created a special graphic for it. I was super excited. We talked about the 89 movie. We talked a little bit about returns. I went on and on and on about how excited I was to see this actually happen. And then basically Michael Keaton just poured some water all over this flame to extinguish it because he said he was concerned about what was happening um, with the, uh, the pandemic, whatever you want to call it, situations going on. And then he wasn't sure if it was still going to happen or not, or he wasn't sure if he still wanted to be involved. He said he hadn't seen the script. Anyhow, if you want to go on the internet, you can basically find the interview that basically sort of cast the idea of whether Keaton was even going to be in this movie in doubt at all. So a lot of people were speculating that Keaton was already out. Then there were these crazy rumors that they were going to get Christian Bale to come back and be Batman in it. And like it's just, it's been absolutely nuts what's been going on. So now it seems confirmed for a second or a third or a fourth, or I don't know how many times, Michael Keaton is in fact, as of right now, theoretically, we're going to scroll this up. I want to have the headline here, but I don't want to watch that video. Um, theoretically is going to actually return as, as Batman in uh, the uh, 
the new Flash movie. Now, I think that they were already supposed to be filming, or they're going to start filming soon. Um, so I guess, um, wow, they really want me to watch this video. How do I turn this off? Anyhow, um, there seems to be... Um, I thought they were supposed to be filming, or they're supposed to start filming it soon. So anyhow, so, so this is my big pop culture news story for this evening, is the idea that, yes, yes, Virginia, theoretically, Michael Keaton is going to actually be Batman again. So there, there you go. I guess I'm still yeah, not I, certain on this. Oh come on! I, I'm getting sick of all these rumors and stuff like that. That that, that I I talked about that. That that was a hype machine bullshit thing that started where they were saying Michael Keaton wasn't going to do it. They basically twisted his words a little bit. Um, that's all the hype train. You know what it does is it does what's happening right now. It gets people to talk about it. I mean, uh, Michael Keaton's going to be in this thing. We've known that for a long time. Uh, and they're and they're just trying to keep it in the news, which, by the way, I do understand, uh, you know, with the, the the way that, you know, so many so many projects have been postponed. Right. And they especially in terms of actual filming, you know, a lot of filming has been canceled. Right. So I do understand that the, the, them wanting to keep this in the public eye. Uh, but come on, this is this is old news. We all knew this is going to happen. Short of them just not doing the movie, Michael Keaton's going to be in the Flash movie. Yeah, I felt the same way, but I thought I'd be worth bringing up because it, it's it it's like it's weird. It's like that news item that still keeps circulating, right? It's the rumor thing. It, it's yeah. it's what it's what's it's a, what uh, anti-social media is built for. Uh, yeah, you know, I brought up one of those articles too, and I was just like, these guys. I mean, it is what it is. I mean, hey, they got they get an audience. They they get recommended on my feed, so it is what it is. <laughs> All right. Well, there you go. That's the only uh, pop culture news item I have for this evening. I do have two brief things for streaming wars. Do you have anything else for uh, pop culture? Yeah, I, I got some sad news. I don't know if you had seen this. Uh, this happened just over the weekend, but I thought it would bring it up because I know uh, you and I are definitely familiar with quite a bit of his of his work. This is from MeTV, which, by the way, I wanted to be very specific in using MeTV uh, for this article because MeTV actually has Buck Rogers uh, every Saturday night. So this is a obituary, unfortunately. Uh, it says, rest in peace, F F Felix Silva, cousin it of the Adams family, and Tweaky on Buck Rogers. So Silva was one of the few surviving cast members of the Adams family. He was 84 years old. Uh, he's, Felix Silva was a fixture on classic television, though you rarely saw his face. The Italian-born actor began to show up his career as a circus performer, coming to America in the 50s to tour with the Ringling Brothers and Barman Bailey Circus. His first, familiar his first familiar television role came in a 1963 episode of Bonanza called Haas and the Leprechauns, in which he played one of the leprechauns who encounters Haas Cartwright. Two years later, uh, Silva found himself in a reoccurring role as the shaggy cousinette on The Addams Family. The character hidden behind head-to-toe head hair was an original creation for the television series and not taken from the Charles Adams cartoons. Uh, the hot and heavy wig Silva wore was originally made of human hair, he told the Los Angeles Times in a 2014 interview, until the crew realized how highly combustible this costume was. Quote, all the guys on the set smoked, he explained. The producers worried that I might step on a smoldering cigarette and go up in flames. They gave me synthetic hair, which was flame retardant. 
Uh, it also goes on to say that he did appear in uh, some of the Sid and Marty Croft productions, uh, H&R Puff and stuff. Uh, obviously, he was also featured in Battlestar Galactica, uh, as well as Buck Rogers. Uh, I didn't realize this. He actually was Lucifer. Did you know he was Lucifer? No, I didn't realize that. I didn't. I had no idea. I had no idea that that was a little person. Uh, I thought it was like a normal person, and they just put a head on top of it, you know? Uh, but it says most will remember him, however, as the physical performer behind the robotic Tweaky on Buck Rogers. And, of course, Looney Tunes legend uh, Mel Blanc provided the voice of Tweaky, at least for most of the show. Uh, in season two, he also appeared as the blue-skinned, white-haired alien ODX in Journey to Oasis, which, by the way, as a kid, I loved that episode, and I loved that character. I always thought that character was a lot of fun. Yeah, so, uh, uh, Felix Silva, uh, one of those guys that obviously uh, you know goes way back in the business and you know, had to, had to perform in some very, um, very, very tough performances. You know what I mean? Like in these costumes and things like, as they mentioned in the article, that basically his, his life was almost in danger because they had so little regard for him, uh, at least initially on in the Adams family, which is very common for a lot of performers uh, that perform in some sort of a suit. Uh, and unfortunately, a lot of, of little people, I think that that was the case. Uh, that, that a lot of them were, were actually subjected to uh, possible danger in what they were doing. So he was around for a long time. I remember seeing him at several conventions. In fact, I remember seeing him at, the, at a Star Trek Vegas just a couple years ago. Um, I didn't have a chance to go up and talk to him, but I do remember seeing him there. Um, but I do, uh, my one story with him is back in the day with Phoenix Comic Con, I talked about this when Jeremy Bullock passed. Uh, we did try to do a special thing uh, with, to introduce him on stage with Jeremy Bullock as Jeremy Bullock introduced a film. Unfortunately, the timing was all messed up, and we didn't get to do it on stage, but we did get to surprise Jeremy Bullock uh, later uh, that Felix was there because he was a, like a very late addition uh, you know, to, to the roster of, of our guests that year. And so I do remember the two of them interacting and, and having that, that little moment together. So uh, rest in peace, uh, Felix Silva. Um, I'm not sure if you were aware of his passing, Dave. Um, you know, it's one of those things I, I, I thought I had, re I had heard something about it, but then I've been so busy. I honestly, I think I, this will sound bad. I, I guess I did kind of miss it. Um, the only reason yeah. I found out about it was because, uh, I have a friend on Twitter who always does the me TV, the hashtag me TV Buck Rogers, uh, tweets. Yeah, and I, and I usually watch Buck Rogers a lot on on Saturday nights on MeTV. A lot of times I just have it in the background because I've seen the episode literally a hundred times, and uh, I saw him hashtagging about it, and I was like, "Oh, damn!" You know, so that's how I found out about it. Well, and I I don't spend any time on Twitter anymore, like at all, and then I haven't been spending much time on like Facebook or anything else lately, just because I've been so consumed by work and, and just so busy with so many different things. And, and I seem to remember seeing something about it and I wanted to, you know, to make sure it was true. Cause sometimes these rumors, the, uh, sometimes this quote unquote news turns out to not be true. You know what I mean? And that sometimes the person hasn't actually passed and I hadn't had a chance to really look into it. And then now I feel really bad. Cause I guess, I guess I missed it. Um, um, I, my experience with Felix was he, he was at a bunch of different conventions. 
I was at over the years. Um, and one of my fondest memories actually of him was um, we were at we we're in an anime convention somewhere. We were promoting Bushi Tales, and um, we just seemed to be like in the like the same con circuit. I refer to it as the con circuit. We seemed to be like on the same track, and we kept showing up the same conventions. And um, I had actually um, at that point talked to him a couple different times, and we were all in the same uh, hotel um, like breakfast area having breakfast together. And I said hi to him as we came in, and um, we ended up talking to him for just a little bit. Um, and then um, these uh, anime kids came in, and they just knew me as the Bushi Tells guy, and they wanted a hug. It was really weird, and um, <laughs> it was just so strange. And people I, are I, anime conventions sometimes. So. Yeah, and I remember Felix didn't quite know what to think about that, and I was just <laughs> like, ah, you know, it's anime kids. What do you what do you expect? Um, but um, no, yeah, um, um, I actually, uh, I think it was the convention before that, um, I got a chance to talk to him for a little bit, and he signed a photo for me, and it's up here on the wall. I actually have uh, Felix also with uh, uh, Gil Gerard and actually Aaron Gray. They're all together, and it's the, you know, the classic Buck Rogers, you know, you know, Tweaky and, and Buck and Wilma and their classic, you know, styles, um, and um yeah, I didn't realize he'd passed. He always seemed like a really nice guy every time that I, I did get a chance to talk with him. And he seemed to be really, really good with the fans. And, um, you know, it's, um, I don't know. I just, I, I feel really bad because I didn't share this or anything because it, it seems like I, I did. I, I apparently just missed this. It happens. It happens all the time. I think it's actually happened on the other side with us before where you brought up uh, a celebrity death. And I was like, oh, I had no idea. So it just sometimes it just depends on uh, on on what, uh, you know, what information you're getting from. I do follow MeTV. That is one of the ones I also follow on Twitter. So I do see a lot of their tweets and stuff like that. Uh, obviously, they do keep track of a lot of these older stars because that's basically their bread and butter. I mean, it's, it's all like older shows. Um, with the exception of Svengooli, and I think they have a, a, a tune show now, which is they're still basically recycled stuff, but it's that classic old thing where they have like a host that's actually like you know introducing the, the, right. the shows and that stuff, so it's just kind of neat, but uh, yeah, definitely uh, 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 thought he was a, a, an interesting guy. Like I said, I did, I did go to a couple conventions where he was around, we did a professional mixer one year. Uh, at, at a bar across the street from the convention center. And I remember he attended it along with quite a few other um, celebrities we had in attendance that year, which was really cool. Re really made me feel good uh, because I, I got a lot of my sort of independent filmmakers to actually be able to, to, to meet some of these people and just interact with them, you know, like at a bar setting, that kind of a thing, meet and greet. So, um, and he was one of the ones that attended. So uh, uh, sad news, uh, but uh, you know, unfortunately these things happen. What else can you say? Yeah. Oh, um, are we good to go to the streaming wars, or do you have anything else you want to do for pop culture? No, I think we're I think we're good to go ahead and uh, segue into streaming wars. All right, very cool. I'm probably just going to do one since we're at uh, one hour forty six here. So, um, here in the streaming wars segment, you might be asking yourself, "What do you mean by streaming wars? Are we talking about fish and stream? What do you mean by stream? Uh, we're we're not talking about water, everybody. We're talking about Video streaming, for example, we're talking about all those amazing streaming services that so many of us like to enjoy, things such as Netflix and Hulu 
and some of those other streaming services that kind of don't exist anymore, like DC Universe. That's what we like to talk about. That's what we like to cover when we discuss the streaming wars. All right. So, um, Eric, do you want to go first or you want me to go first? Um, it's up to you. Do you want to go first? Yeah, I guess I can. Um, let me get my um, link pulled up. I'm just going to do the one, I think, which is kind of the big one. Um, uh, I wasn't going to mention this, actually, as we were kind of discussing what to talk about here on the show tonight. Um, Eric thought, well, this is this is definitely worth bringing up. We need to talk about this. So, um, so this is on Variety, obviously, Variety.com. This is by uh, Cynthia... Littleton, Littleton. Um, apologies if I'm saying it incorrectly. This uh, story actually did break today. This says Disney and Sony set massive movie deal bringing Spider-Man films to Disney+. Plus. We gave this just a little bit. Again, if you want to read the full article, I'm going to recommend you go to Variety and read that. We're just going to do just a little bit here, and then we'll start the discussion. So Disney has set a massive movie licensing pact with Sony Pictures for the U.S., that promises to bring Spider-Man and other Marvel properties to Disney Plus, starting with Sony's 2022 release slate. The wide-ranging deal, which runs through Sony's 2026 theatrical slate, also calls for Sony titles to run across Disney's array of streaming and linear platforms, making it unprecedented in scope as it covers Disney Plus, Hulu, FX Networks, ABC, Disney Channels, and Freeform. It also includes a significant number of library titles that will be spread among various outlets. Hulu will gain access to what Disney described as a significant number of library titles starting in June. The agreement comes on the heels of Sony's output deal with Netflix for titles in the lucrative post-theatrical release Pay One window. The Disney deal covers subsequent TV windows, meaning that the titles will land on Netflix first after nine months, well, excuse me, about nine months after that start of a film's theatrical run, Disney is scooping up for multiple platforms and windows previously reserved for ad-supported cable and broadcast airings of movies. The Netflix and Disney deals also run for the same licensed term. Now, what's interesting about this is there's a lot of TV minutiae in this, right? A lot of, a lot of we'll call it uh, industry speak, right? That A lot of this I don't even quite understand. The funny thing about this is, is that I've seen some coverage on this and people have been taking a different angle on this, saying that because of this deal, it means more of Spider-Man is now more officially, legitimately in the MCU, which is interesting. Um, I'll have to dig into this further, but based on this, this just sounds like a rights deal, right? <laughs> so. Yeah. It, 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 what's really interesting about this is last week we covered the Netflix deal. And I wasn't I wasn't aware of this story actually until you started talking to me about it before we got set up, um, and I was really shocked at first because I was like, well, what happened with the Netflix deal? So obviously, what it sounds like is basically Netflix is getting sort of like the that 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 premium sort of first deal that you traditionally I think would get from uh, pay you know uh, you know trans tra what they call transactional VOD right. That's like you know your your iTunes right your your old PlayStation Store, um, your 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 Amazon Prime where you download a movie right. That stuff generally comes out before stuff starts streaming on a platform. It sounds like Netflix was able to get that for themselves, 
Uh, whereas uh, what Disney has done is they've kind of taken those rights, as it mentions in the article, that traditionally you would have like for a cable channel. That's one of the reasons, for instance, that HBO Max has New Mutants. It's because New Mutants is on HBO, right? There's a there's a deal right. uh, that they did that basically put uh, New Mutants on HBO, and HBO Max has been able to basically get anything that's on HBO on their streaming platform. So it, it gets very complicated, and it's kind of funny because my – my streaming wars, my streaming wars article is also about how complicated some of this stuff gets. So I think they're actually going to supplement each other very well. But yeah, what is interesting about this more than anything is, you know, my take on on the deal last week and Netflix deal was that this was a big victory for Disney, and Disney really really kind of screwed the pooch. And it sounds like that wasn't the case. Uh, what Sony has done is compromised. Uh, which is really good for Sony, right? Because basically Sony now is going to have two solid revenue streams. They're going to get money from Disney and they're going to get money from Netflix. All the while, not put any of this stuff on Crackle, which is their streaming service, right? It's really interesting that Sony's approach to the streaming wars is is definitely different than all the other big studios. Yeah, it, it's it's interesting. It And... Um... The, but like I mean, they're playing the, nice. They're playing nice. Yeah, they're, they're, exactly. they're spreading the wealth. Well, and it's in, you know it's crazy too because, um, like I said, the 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 coverage I'd seen, the reason I was aware of this deal is because, like I said, a lot of the people who I typically follow, their takeaway from this is that, like I said, well, Spider Man's officially in the MCU and and like in a more legitimate manner. And, that, that sounds like the and, Michael Keaton thing. I mean, that's just yeah. pure hype. It's uh, Spider-Man has already been part of the MCU since Civil War, so so w w what? You know what I mean? Seriously? Well, I I think it's because people want to see like this character who's here on screen right here. Like people are wanting to see Venom in an MCU movie, right? So I I don't know. It, it I I just find it interesting. Like I said, I'm gonna have to look into this further to see if there's some angle to this that I'm missing at the moment. But like I said, that's kind of the approach I've been hearing in, in relation to this, when in reality, this is just a really interesting sort of like a, a rights deal, you know what I mean? Um, which kind of helps to further explain, like I said, some of that weird stuff that doesn't make sense to me, because I talked about before about how I still don't understand why it is that, you know, HBO Max has all the Blade movies and New Mutants. Right. You know, and I, I was just touching on New Mutants, and it's probably similar with 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 the uh, with Blade as well. It, it gets into the, the the cable deals versus the streaming deals, but now you have them merging together. That's what's happening. So basically, for instance, with with the Disney Channel, which is a cable uh, cable network, right? Um, the, their content is basically all on Disney Plus now, right? So right. The, the lines are constantly being blurred, constantly, constantly being blurred. But I think what's more interesting. In the greater aspect of the streaming wars, is that that Sony is one of the few large studios that has taken this approach, where rather than cultivating their own streaming platform, which they do have, they do have their own streaming platform, rather than cultivate that, uh, they've decided to basically do licensing deals with existing streaming services, and what that does is that makes them basically that guarantees them money. That, that, that's what that does, but but it also caps that money, right? If you have a subscription service, in theory at least, there's no cap because the more subscriptions you get, the more money you're going to get. 
But when, and, and that's also the true true with uh, the the transactional video on demand as well. The more people download that movie, the more you're going to make. But there's no guarantee there. What's interesting here is that Sony is going the other route and basically saying we want guaranteed money, and they're playing nice with the other uh, big streaming services, which most people acknowledge Netflix and Disney Plus are the two big streaming services, and they've kind of helped in a way. They're helping to choose the winners of the streaming wars. Well, what's interesting when you talk about Sony having their own service, are, are you talking about Crackle? Yeah, they have Crackle. Well, I'd seen a report somewhere that they'd actually sold sold Crackle to the the uh, Chicken Soup for the Soul Entertainment or something. It's like this really weird. Did you not see that weird news article? No, I had not. I did. I was not aware. Uh. Yeah, it was a really weird. Yeah, thing. it says they sold the majority stake uh, to Chicken Soup for the Soul Entertainment. That's true. I did not. I and wasn't it, aware of that. And it was. I had been meaning to bring that up on the show because I just thought that was so weird. Because I was like, the 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 guy from the secret videos. Like, they, why? Like, what what in the world is he going to do with it? So, I don't know. This yeah. You know, that's the thing. It's like there's so many weird facets and different things happening in this in the streaming wars. To me, it's almost impossible to keep up with all of it. Well, it's funny that you say that because as I'm trying to get caught up on on that issue with Crackle, it says that they're, the part of this is that they're going to be doing a Crackle Plus. Crackle Plus. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, that's something go. to be to talk about on a future installment. And that's an old article too. That is an old article. That's funny. I wasn't even aware of this. So I don't I don't know where they are with that uh, that particular plan. Because certainly this would not, what's going on here uh, would would definitely not jive with a, a Crackle Plus. Uh, if, you, if they're going to Crackle no. Plus, you definitely want to keep uh, Spider-Man in-house. So that may have fallen apart. But yeah, it does say uh, that was part of the initial initial deal. And I'm just reading this Hollywood Reporter article. That's an old article from like 2019 uh, where they talk about that, that Sony sold the majority stake uh, to Chicken Soup for the Soul. So... Yeah, I wasn't aware of that, but apparently it was part of a deal to start their own streaming service. So it, uh, I'll, I'll have to look that up and try to get more information on that because it sounds like that would be an interesting story of possibly something, a plan, a planned streaming service that never really got off the ground. Yeah, I mean, and, and you know, you would think that seeing everything that's going on, you know, if, if it... Um, if it doesn't look like it's going to work, you know what I mean? It might make sense just to cut your losses and, and move in a, in a different manner, like what it seems like they're doing now, as reported by this Variety article. You know what I mean? So, yeah. Because um, it's, uh, it's, it's just it's so strange, the whole thing. Well, well getting back to the, the complicated nature of how these rights deals and everything work, I thought this was interesting. This is a Variety article. And I actually initially heard about this uh, from our friends at Orville Nation from PJ. He was tweeting about this, and I, I found this really interesting. So it says uh, the, the WGA, that's the Writers Guild of America, sets a $3.4 million, settles a $3.4 million settlement with CBS. Well, this is really messed up. CBS for all access. So basically, I, I will paraphrase this. <laughs> the, the Writers Guild of America has made a $3.4 million settlement 
with CBS All Access for streaming residuals. So it says the WGA West has reached a big settlement with CBS over underpaid residuals for shows made available on the CBS All Access streaming platform from its inception in 2014. The Guild disclosed in a letter to members Thursday that has, has negotiated a settlement worth $3.4 million to cover 62 series featured on the subscription streaming service that CBS unveiled in October 2014. The Guild challenged the methodology that CBS used to calculate the residuals due to writers for episodes of new and vintage series. The settlement covers 2014 through the end of 2020. Now, we were talking about the complicated nature of this. That's what this came down to is because I did read this article and I even read the letter that uh, the Writers Guild sent to their members. Basically, what it what CBS was trying to do was basically say, well, these aren't on television. Right. Like these aren't these aren't broadcast television shows. So they were trying to basically cheat the Guild members out of the residuals with that argument. That's what it comes down to. That's the bottom line. Well, we we see we see that kind of happening all over the place too. You know what I mean? In lots of different ways, where you know the different companies are going. Well, it's digital. It's not the same thing. Exactly. Like what? What do you what do you mean? It's the same thing? No, it's not. You know what I mean? It's just it's curious how this idea keeps recircling. You know where the the large companies are. You know these corporations, such and so forth, are trying to go. Well, it's not the same thing. It's it's on the computer. It doesn't count. Right. Yeah, it, it, that's exactly what you have. And then it's kind of funny, you know, with, with the article you were just talking about, that's another way that they're sort of exploiting this in a completely different direction. They're saying, okay, well, we're, well, the stuff we're doing with Netflix, that's like the streaming deal. Now, the stuff we're doing with Disney, that's like the TV deal, right? Even though they're both streaming platforms. That's how complicated and weird it's getting. Uh, but in this case, wow. uh, this was a situation where basically they were trying to keep um, from paying residuals uh, to the actual writers and creators of these shows. I love the fact that they chose to use Discovery as the as the uh, branding for this article, just to show <laughs> you know, the, the the CVS uh, the CVS cheating its workers. That's some good branding there for Star Trek Discovery. Way to go! You know, what I mean, way to go. Uh, that's what you're known for in the industry. It's, it's for cheating your writers. Well, it's interesting because it makes me think of. Um, I, you know, they worked at, at DC. We, we had these uh, contracts we had, you know, we used to sign it basically kind of every book had kind of like its own contract. It had its own thing. And, and then at one point there was some additional verbiage being added that was sort of like to try and cover, you know, what would happen with the digital rights, right? Right. You know, for things going to comiXology and whatever. And one of the nice things that DC did um, was they, they had a writer in there and they had a plan in there so we could actually see some royalties from the digital sales, which was kind of nice. But um, yeah, I I don't know. I mean, we, we've seen some strange stuff where um, there was a lot, There was, I know, who was that? There was one company that was trying to say that they had bought another company and they were trying to act like, oh, well, those old contracts aren't legit. I Disney think was they, doing that. Yeah, like, doing yeah. as far as I understand, that's yeah. still not resolved. And that's with the books of all things, the, the licensed books. Basically, yeah. Disney is trying to say, oh, well, that's the old regime. They made a deal with you, not us. Like, seriously, when you buy a company, you all those contracts go to you, you know? Right. It's just no, that's it's a just real strange. thing. Yeah. And that's also something that Orville Nation has been covering. 
uh, because uh, they they have a an author that actually uh, contributes on their show, um, and and has been talking about that that he's been he hasn't been getting his. I don't know if that situation's been since resolved. I just remember the genesis of that, and that basically Disney did not want to honor the books, like the the Lucasfilm books and things like that. They, they didn't want to honor those agreements. Yeah, it's just. I don't know. I don't know. It's crazy all this stuff going on. This is crazy. I, I do think it's interesting that 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 the the variety did give uh, Viacom CBS a little bit of a pass here because they specifically refer to, to to CBS all. By the way, they call it CBS for all access, which is like what? But they they, they specifically reference CBS all access as opposed to saying. C, you know, Viacom, CBS, or Paramount Plus, because there is no CBS All Access anymore. So it, it is kind of funny, just in my mind, the way they worded this uh, this particular article to be, I guess, as, as minimally offensive as possible. You know. Cool. Um, do you have anything else for Streaming Wars this week? Nope, that was it. All right. Well, I think uh, if that's okay, we're at the two. Two hours, four minutes. We think that's good? Yeah, I think so. All right, very cool. All right. So we want to thank you for helping watching or listening to this episode of the Retro Rogues Live. Again, my name is Dave B. I've been one of your hosts. If you're curious to see out some of my check out some of my current work or the things that currently occupy my time, you can check out my uh, t-shirt company, Kirby Tees. You can check that out over at KirbyTees.com. That's K-I-R-B-Y-T-S.com. I've uh, got a lot of fun new designs are up there. I'm uh, going to be adding some new ones hopefully next week. I'm, I'm working on finalizing the artwork and trying to get the test prints and everything together. So hopefully next week we'll have some more fun t-shirt designs we'll be unveiling here on the show to hopefully get people excited about what we're doing over at Kirby Tees. And also, too, consider purchasing a Retro Rogues Live shirt and supporting what we're doing here at the Retro Rogues Live. We would greatly appreciate your support. All right, enough about that. I want to thank uh, Eric Alexander, my great co-host, for bringing his unique perspective and opinion, as always, here to the Retro Rogues Live. Eric, please tell the folks who'll be watching or listening at home where they can learn more about you on the interwebs. Well, I'm most active on Twitter. You can find me there at BaseGod14. That's at B-A-S-S-G-O-D-1-4. Uh, that is also the official YouTube. That's also the official Twitch. So if you make a comment there, more likely than not, uh, I'll be the one responding. But again, my DMs are open on Twitter. And I'm always, always, always open uh, to anybody's suggestions about what we're going to review. I know for the next episode uh, or two, we're, we're kind of committed at this point. Uh, we're, we're talking about basically finishing up Falcon the Winter Soldier on the next episode. And then we're talking about probably doing Mortal Kombat after that. But in the future, uh, we are looking at some real changes to this show. Uh, and, 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 and basically trying to kind of examine where we're at, where we want to be and all that kind of stuff. So there might be some, some fairly big changes, uh, coming in the future. Uh, but right now that's, that's what we're looking at, at least for the next two weeks or so. Um, and I do want to, uh, say thank you to the rogues gallery for commenting. I know that we did get behind a little bit somehow on some of these, uh, comments, but uh, Hollywood Jackson says uh, great show guys Bye, miss Jane. And earlier he said someone was tripping. So with that, we'll leave uh, Hollywood Jackson with the last word.
We want to thank you for listening to this episode of the Retro Rogues Live podcast. You can learn more about Eric Alexander and Five the Live Show on either Twitch, YouTube, or Twitter by searching for BaseGod14. That's B-A-S-S-G-O-D-1-4 on either YouTube, Twitch, or Twitter. If you are curious about co-host Dave Beatty, you can see some of his art, find social media links, and so much more at his website, DaveBeatty.com. That's D-A-V-E-B-E-A-T-Y.com. If you enjoyed this episode of the Retro Live, be sure to like, share, and subscribe.